Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone, welcome to Sports Point, uh, Waypoint's new uh, sports and sports adjacent podcast that sets out to disprove the notion that people with lives dedicated to pixels jumping across the screen can't also be unhealthily interested in what nerds condescendingly refer to as sports ball every Super Bowl. Um, this first podcast is kind of just an experiment, a chance to see how you, the Waypoint community, respond to a few hours of people shooting the shit about whatever is on their mind when it comes to a decades-long attachment to a franchise owned by rich people. To try and unpack this feeling, and much more, presumably, I'm joined by Rob Zachney, one-third of an ongoing DM chain I have uh, with former uh, Waypoint Editor-in-Chief Austin Walker, where we do not talk about games and mostly just exchange sports memes. Uh, Rob, I have a crucial question. Are the Bears back? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> no! <laughs> No, like, okay, so for for people, like, there is this graphic I saw being passed around Twitter before the season started of, like, all-time history of the NFL winning percentages, and for a huge history Oh, this is horrible. I stopped it halfway through because it was upsetting, Rob. I didn't enjoy this graphic The Bears, all. The Bears, for about 40 years of the NFL's existence, largely because of, like, the first 30 years of the NFL's existence, really... Mm-hmm. Uh, were one of the winningest franchises in history, and they remain they remain in that position for a long time, even as it begins to pass into years where you know for a fact, as a Bears fan, that the team was not good. Does not matter because they're so dominant back in like the forties. Yeah, that just stacked like, those W's, and we got W's to spare. Decades to spare, in fact. <laughs> yeah, it's really only until the last few years that they begin to like over their lifetime resemble a like mediocre the mediocre franchise they they truly are. Uh, but one of the one of the things that also reveals is that the the Bears, the a team that that you and I are both sort of cursed to to root for, the Bears are a team that has never really recovered from the introduction of the forward pass. No, uh, that's that's basically like uh, not just the forward pass, but the where the 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 NFL at a certain point, uh, and this is really egregious now. Essentially, all rule changes are made in favor of essentially making a better product, not necessarily a better sport, but a better entertainment product. Which is, we want touchdowns, we want more passes, so we're going to punish the defense and make it easier. By rule, by by law, it is easier to get more points. And I believe the Bears are the only franchise in NFL history that is not of a quarterback that is thrown for more than 3,000 yards in a season. The only one. The Jets, 
done it. Like, like the Jaguars, done it. The Bears have not done it. So, right. So the thing is, though, this this upset win they notched over the 49ers uh, this past weekend in Soldier Field, it's a remarkable set of conditions they were dealing with because they were it was this this downpour. Oh, you mean bear weather, Rob? You mean oh God, bear, bear weather? weather. Like okay. you put these we'll, fuckers we'll in that. a dome? Like what kind of life is that ideal conditions bears, for throwing a bears ball? Bears are meant to be out in the cold and the rain. Statistically that is definitely borne out by how they performed <laughs> in cold weather games. But no. Uh but the conditions so during this like monsoon like football game they play against a heavily favored 49ers Effectively, football reverts to its 1940s, 1950s form. Like, literally, uh, the quarterbacks could not, like, get a good grip on the ball. They there was a clip I showed set. you. I believe it was Trey Lance, the 49ers uh, quarterback, uh, there, there, who has supplanted Jimmy Garoppolo because they gave a bunch of picks, and now they got to figure out if this guy's any good. Uh, he was he was throwing a pass on the sidelines, uh, warming up, and it was just like a casual, not even like, I'm – you know, I'm in the game. I'm mentally focused. It was just like th- pitch and catch with somebody on the yeah. sideline just warming up. And the ball just like flips in the air in front of him because. Uh, Patrick is better than that. It squirted out behind him as he was winding <laughs> up. Uh, it was it was a cartoon like fumble because, yeah, he's trying to squeeze the squeeze the ball and it just goes squirting out behind him. So, like, the thing is, the bear the Bears do win this, like, really terrific upset. But also what a like classic type of bears game. This is why you can't say like, ah, boy, this, this team is going to surprise some people. I think the Chicago bears, uh, over their lifetime, if every football game were played in conditions where quarterbacks can't throw and receivers (laughs) can't make like fast athletic breaks, I think the bears remain one of the all time greatest (laughs) football teams. Oh, if, if football were just like dominated by linebackers and running backs, absolutely. Bears, uh, greatest franchise in history uh, and fortunately for the Bears this this Sunday those conditions were recreated by nature do you okay so there's a difference in, in terms of generational fandom when you just like you're sitting around with your family you're watching a thing because that's what the family does and then there is you assuming that mantle yourself I'm curious where when you're young, what are your earliest, and it doesn't have to be the bears, but like, what is, what are some of your earliest memories of like watching sports or like the notion of fandom or like, this is a ritual that we participate in. Yeah. So it it is the bears for sure. Um, so my earliest memories, um, it's like, Honestly, and this is this is kind of this kind of sets up uh, basically the arc of my Bears fandom. My earliest memories are the core members of the 1985 team retiring. Like my first football memory, I think ever is Walter Payton's last game, mm-hmm. and the reason it stands in my mind is because like, why are my parents misting up out of nowhere? <laughs> uh, why is why is this like why is everyone watching this guy like sort of slump on the sidelines, etc. Um, it's very dramatic. You know, I, I can remember I, I had to, I pulled the tape last night because to see if I remembered if it was actually the last game I remembered. And it was the exact light that I remembered. What uh, year did he retire? Sort of, uh, 1987. Oh, so uh, not long so, after. 
Right. It's a it's a uh, like it's an afternoon game. Like the the last rays of the sun are washing across the field. Uh, you know, it's has Dick it, been fired hour. at this point. I think he's still there. Uh, but he, it's point. near the end because um, things go pretty off the rails for him. I, after. Think, he, I think he makes it to 90, though. Does he? Um, the defensive coordinator so, left at that point, right? Um, uh, Buddy Ryan left like immediately. Yes. Uh, like, but like Buddy Ryan was the 85 uh, defensive coordinator. And, and really, a lot of people would argue the the real reason the 85 team like won the Super Bowl was that was, was so good. Yeah. That Ditko was like kind of a caretaker. Uh, for a defense that was dominant, but like so, these are, these are my formative memories: are like Peyton retiring, and then uh, the Bears getting knocked out of the playoffs in 1990 by the Giants on their Super Bowl run, and that was Dan Hampton's last game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danimal, and I remember like all the players gathering in a prayer circle for the time, and like my parents again being really sad because like there goes Hampton. <laughs> uh, at that point, like it's just gonna be like Dent and Singletary uh, back there holding it down, and so like you know. <laughs> I mean, really, me, me getting into the Bears uh, was was very much like, you know, episode one of the Sopranos. Right. It's it's good to be something good to be in something from the ground floor. I came too late for that. But lately, I'm getting the feeling that I came in at the end. The best (laughs) is over. That's me and the Bears. It's funny because obviously, you know, I've mentioned this in in various uh, places and ways over the years, but I don't have any. there was no like sitting around watching football with my dad when I was a kid. For for one, a lot of the early years with my dad, who was a salesperson for a bunch of different sports companies, but the modern version of this is is Riddell Sports. They were all American and number of other companies over the course of mergers and acquisitions and things like that. But essentially, the company's prim- primarily responsible for producing. Most of the football equipment. It's a little bit different these days. Now there are more companies in the NFL will allow athletes to like get custom helmets from different companies. But like broadly speaking, for a long time, there was a monopoly and like sort of one company. Um, Riddell is this, you know, big red logo you'd see on the side of a lot of a lot of helmets and a lot of if you went to any of the high school athletics, like they even did like cheerleading stuff. I mean, like they did everything. But anyway, but I was a salesperson on the road all the time. Um, And so. There was like, although sports were like really in like something my dad was deeply involved in, it wasn't original. My mom couldn't give less of a shit. Like, I mean, this is my mom is a person that flash forward 30 years later um, at one of the most uh, famous Super Bowl performances of all time. Prince playing Purple Rain in the rain. Uh, My mom asked if she could go into the hallway and like not watch it. One time my mom was at a Super Bowl. She had to go every year once my dad became an executive. And she took a, a like a, a murder mystery book with her, opened it up and was starting to read it. And my dad said, excuse me. Don't do that. <laughs> like if you go back to the hotel and claim you're sick and that's go by the pool. That's fine. But don't read. Do not be like publicly this. insufferable no. <laughs> where I'm trying to work. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. And so Just snapping the snapping the life and culture section of the paper open. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. a weird dynamic because like that's one of those things where like executives are bringing their wives and they're sort of like a wife culture and oh, like yeah. a wife of exec. And like that's a whole separate thing. But like the the long and short of it is like the for me, the despite the fact that like the, the Bears and football are like so central to my dad's identity and something became more important when I got a little older when I was younger, all that mattered to me were the 90s Chicago Bulls. Like when I think of sports, when I think of what things I was watching, things that were rituals, it was Michael Jordan. It was 
like watching those finals, not really processing what they were. There was like you weren't watching the game as a game. You were watching it as a spectacle, as an event. You were watching a concert that just happened to be a basketball game. And you knew it was important because other people told you it was important. And when that like, you know, that Chicago Bulls like when that played, like you knew like that announcer Bulls go on a run and rock and roll part two starts to play. Yes. Yes. And so like the memories for me of like thinking about sports, like the bears are something I come to later when I even uh, towards the end of my, my father's life where that's something my wife was obsessed with and that I got into genuinely into because I was tired of her going down the street on Sundays and getting drunk and being like, what were you doing for four and a half hours? And then that, you know, that, that led me to getting into that. But when I, as a kid, it was not sitting around Sundays watching football because frequently if my dad came back from work trips and was watching football for like research or for pleasure, he was like, that was like a day off for him. He didn't want to be bothered. He didn't want to deal with the kids. It was like, he'd been driving, uh, he was tired. And so he might have football in the background, but it wasn't like sit down with dad and like talk about what the Browns are up to. It was just uh, that's what my dad had on his noise in the background. And it wasn't until much later that football became like a part of my life. So here's here is one thing that I think is not is something I do not share with a lot of Bears fans, uh, which is that. It's not actually region affiliation that is why this is my family's team. I guess yeah. Really so I, we team. should like yeah. Like if people don't know, we should like lay the groundwork. I I grew up in you know, born in Wisconsin technically, um, but my family was from Illinois and moved to the northwest suburbs of Chicago, and so li- have always lived in the in the orbit of the Bulls, Blackhawks, Cubs. Right. Who are the White Sox? I'm not sure. Another team. Um, but you grew up in Indiana, and so I guess I've, I literally I don't think I've even had, this is like a. I don't know the story of this. This isn't even like a bit for the podcast. I don't actually know why. Well, so you're not I mean, a Colts fan. No, well, so Northwest <laughs> Indiana is not like that. Is that is not considered Indiana? Okay, yeah, All like right. it is. It is very like Indiana is the rest of the state, but like Lake County is. Uh, is you're close like, enough to a Portillo's to still, um, or or well, certain, literally, or, or are there you, other beef locations in order to consider be considered Chicago? I mean, literally, like Chicago's industrial outskirts to the east just seamlessly become like Whiting, mm. Indiana, or East Chicago. Like it is like the 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 city. City, the greater city like just sort of blends into the Indiana communities uh, that are there. But no, the, the reason. Um, so the reason I end up being a fan of some of my dad's fan, the reason my dad's a fan is because uh, he hated his dad. Uh, that <laughs> my grandfather um, was. You know, God rest his soul, uh, but. Grandpa Zachney was in a lot of ways a really selfish guy and and kind of a frustrated one. Uh, and he had this like weird contrarian streak. Um, yeah, almost like spiteful, I would say. Uh, and so he's he's living and working in northwest Indiana, grew up there, but he decides to fully embrace the Green Bay Packers. And this is predominantly because, like, one, like just a you know, march the beat of his own drum and mm-hmm. to like in kind of intentionally not fit in uh, with the rest of the guys, but also because he fully um, like he was one of those Catholic men I know. And uh, it was like Pope is up here 
and like just one little half step below is Vince Lombardi. Like that's that's like <laughs> levels. Uh, and and I guess Jesus is nearby there too. Sure, but uh, so and, like, and, and, and Jesus looks suspiciously like Vince Lombardi. Yeah, for for sure. Now he did not. By the way, he did not. Uh, what he liked was winners. He liked Vince Lombardi and mm. like the guy who gives pithy quotes mm-hmm. about like mm-hmm. about culture of winning and the, the meaning of winning and all that. And men less, being men. Yeah. Way less into the like progressivism and New Dealism <laughs> of Vince Lombardi, which if you look uh-huh. him up, it turns out like shit, I should be a Vince Lombardi fan, it turns out. But really? Uh, yeah, apparently, like, um, a, a like, we're talking like 1950s, early 60s, uh, like, uh, vehement anti anti segregationist, I guess. No shit. Um, yeah, good for him. Yeah. Um, and apparently, like, there were people on the staff who were like, uh, kind of as as out as you could be back then, and he was just like, "Yep, I'm not saying shit." Uh, yeah, I don't know how much of this huh. is like. Uh, you know, built up by friendly biography biographers in the years since, but like, uh, yeah, like a New Deal Democrat, uh, very progressive, even by the standards of his time. That's not what my grandfather signed up for. My, my grandfather <laughs> signed up for. I just like winning, and I like uh, sort of sticking it in the eye of all these Bears fans I'm around. Mm-hmm. And so naturally, he and my dad butted heads uh, constantly, and my dad, uh, you know, gravitates toward the team that's going to be the opposite of Grandpa's acne's, which is the Bears. Uh, and and it's so, at least an era in which I'm unfamiliar. What, what what can you situate us in a timeline? What is what what years are these? We're talking the '60s, which isn't so bad, but then the '70s come. Okay, and but, this, the 70s but they're, they're at least trading blows, like maybe the end of the Bears, essentially. If, if if the current era of the Bears is us just resigning ourselves to hoping we break Aaron Rodgers' collarbone to have a chance at a win. Um, that was it, a great year. <laughs> well, oh, man, dude. I, the, the, the Thanksgiving game where Cutler uh, beat the, the, the Packers uh, uh, during Brett Favre's uh, like, uh, jersey retirement ceremony. Just mm, one of my I mean, look, as a Bears fan against the Packers, especially the last 20 years, you, you take the petty, you take Very, the moments yeah. that you just uh, you just upset the other side, because um, that's kind of all, all all that you all that you have. But I guess it sounds like that timeline is an era in which we are moving from Bears dominance to at least trading blows um, in in like, yeah. that era. Well, and I think by the seventies, like neither the Packers nor the Bears are are particularly good. But yeah. the, but the thing is, unfortunately, that uh, I'm born in 1983, um, and the Bears become a great football team. And this is what yeah. really seals my fate. Is like at this point, my my dad's uh, faith in well, the spite, Bears is spite totally is the, is the foundation of your fandom. Oh, and yeah. then the fact that that spite paid off by being like successfully weaponized. <laughs> Yeah, by one of by, by a team that was itself spiteful, like the oh, 1985 oh my Bears, God. a wildly spiteful team, biggest yes. chip on their shoulder, and like a team who, like, I'm not even sure in coming years people will ever fully see the highlights that I grew up on, mm-hmm. like, uh, like NFL films. I don't know if they still do this, but they used to release like uh, very, very dramatic uh, like cuts of the highlights of a team's previous season, get you fired up. But the the one for the 1985 Bears was was incredible, and I watched that thing a ton of times growing up as as the years were getting leaner for the Bears. But boy, let me tell you, a lot of the things that made the Bears great in 1985 
would not fly in today's game at all. Uh, <laughs> no. The the level of violence you were allowed to do to people as as a it's defensive player back then is just is just jaw dropping. When when you when pe- when people see uh, the kinds of hits that uh, or or like when there's a skirmish and they're like I mean you know if this wasn't football they'd be arrested for assault. Uh, that was just every other play. Uh, there's specifically the thing that they've I mean without romanticizing overly romanticizing how football used to be like as a more uh, NFL blitz like sport, like NFL blitz is like, if you want to have a sense of like what, what that the game is also much slower, but if you have a sense of the violence, NFL blitz is closer to reality, which is the reason the NFL has tried to like remove all of the late hits and like slams that occur. But uh, like one of the things they've legislated out of the, out of football is the over the middle um, yes. throws in which, you would essentially have like a tight end or a slot receiver coming over the middle. And if the frequently those players were just destroyed, like there, I forget the there's like terms players have used over the years, but you essentially didn't want to be that player because if you entered into that center zone, you were almost so almost if not going to suffer a catastrophic industry uh, injury you were going to have the shit it was like the defenses like castle doctrine zone yes where it was like if a guy tries to catch a pass in this area you can do whatever you want to him and they did yes, yes. um and there, there was an entire and also there's like a generation of uh receivers who like made their made their money by being guys who it's like no you could survive I am brave enough and yeah. like reckless enough to like I will go do that. I want to do it. I want to be that guy who is going to be like made of rubber, getting demolished and springing back up. No, you probably missed him. You didn't you didn't grow up with the myth of like Tom Waddle, did you? Uh, no, my 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 version of Tom Waddle is uh, the the, you know, uh, <laughs> he's on Chicago sports. You know, he hosts a, a daily sports media talk show on the radio. Yeah, like Tom, Tom Waddle is like one of those players. Uh, and again, it's like it's funny, like the, the game should not have been this way. It should not have run this way. Uh, and so like you always you always do bear that in mind. But like growing up watching him, Tom Waddle, one of the things remarkable was remarkable about him was that he would just go and get these passes. Yeah. Uh, knowing that he was just going to get like creamed and it was, he just, he was like, they could not bring him down. He he did. He did get hurt a lot, but like, it was just, it was kind of astonishing. The things he was willing to do, he's going to, I'm going to lay out and catch this ball. Uh, cause, cause we need it. And if, <laughs> if I die, I die. And that's, and that's basically how we played. And so that was like, but, but everyone loved him. Cause like, there's so few receivers, uh, that like were, like it was a noticeable performance. Was he particularly athletic? Not like a Jerry Rice. He was not one of those like right. star receivers in that way. Uh, I think maybe in some ways, like the close analog, totally different era would be like a dude like Gronk. But Gronk yeah. was protected by side, is by size, and was catching a different environment than like Tom Waddle, who would like just do a vertical leap, grab the ball, and then get fucking volleyballed. By defensive backs until eventually well, and, and I, Gronk was one of those interesting players in which he was a player that sort of defied the rules as they were trying to protect offensive players because kind of like Shaq in the yeah. NBA were like refs couldn't call normal fouls on Shaq because everything was a foul in order to do anything to stop this player. You had to do things that were technically against the rules. And so Gronk would constantly, like Shaq, get draped over, pushed around, hit. And essentially, 
because he was so incredible and so like big and enormous and just like different built differently than so many other players. They sort of just had to roll with the fact that like, yeah, players are going to like go at your knees. Like they're going to do things they and can't do against any other player. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, they got him going for the joints, but uh, yeah, you'd watch dudes um, just sort of ricochet off him. But yeah, so that's, that's sort of me coming up with the bears was I came up like I was born into a family that was just flush with like, this team is incredible. Uh, this is one of the most like dominant teams in NFL history. And then all that is just being dismantled as I'm, as I'm growing up. And so I am inculcated with this idea of like, you just got to stick by your team. Uh, you know, you get with them through, with them through thick and thin. And I have, I have often questioned whether that's, <laughs> Whether that's a, a good approach to, to fandom, the, the value in, in rooting for something that seems incapable of getting good. Oh, see, well, that's my favorite part. I like that. It, it, that is my that is why I like rooting for the Chicago Bears is because the futility of it. Now, maybe this becomes an identity you adopt because you don't know anything else <laughs> but the pain and suffering. But I don't think I I, I think that is a. uh I like getting together like like this Sunday, like is a great example, right? So the Bears are huge underdogs. They are expected to lose. I expect them to lose. I look at this as a year in which it's a culture change. You're turning over a lot of players. The cap hit is enormous of dead money of players you are just getting rid of. It is a year in which if you set your expectations properly, it is just meant to be. Can I see flashes of the future knowing that this is going to be really painful and a slog, uh, and you're hoping that in two years you look back on that and be like, damn, like that game, that play, that series showed a foundation. Um, and yeah, the first half of that game, the Bears were terrible. Put the wet, like the weather aside, like it was, it was really rough to watch. It looked like your same old Bears. They can't move the ball. They can't give an obviously talented, gifted quarterback anything to do. Um, but there was something about like, being in that misery with like my neighbors and their kids and friends that came that I hadn't seen in years, like came out to like hang out for the opening of the bears game. And I don't know, like it's a, it's a community thing. Like I, I, on on some level I watch football because it's the sport I understand the most and can speak to on like a, like play to play. Like I know what a slot receiver is and I can describe to you that better than I can like the positions of a lot of other sports. But also it's like the sport I most associate with community and friends and family. Yeah. And so, uh, sure, would I rather root for a team that was better? Um, you know, it's part, but that's also part of what made like that 2018 season so special was like you don't get seasons where you expect to win. You don't get seasons where uh like we won 10 games 11 games 12 games i would games. say that's the year you and i became friends actually yeah. it was like <laughs> both of, like the thing we had in common was the bears and we both sort of surprised but like this team doesn't this team doesn't seem like shit uh <laughs> they, they, this isn't half bad uh yeah i mean no i i totally get it i think one juxtaposition that i've had is so i we moved out here to boston uh, which is New England Patriots country mm-hmm. in like 2010. And so my Bears fandom has always been juxtaposed against <laughs> just a juggernaut endless, just a juggernaut. Yeah. And it, it and so it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of done my head in, uh, in that 
like for me, like Sunday is this like day where you just sort of grimly hang on. You watch this team and you, oh, they're out to an early and you know, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, oh, they, they're up at the, they played a great first half and you're like, but when they go in that locker room, the coaching staff is going to just completely like screw this up. They won't be able to adjust. They have no they've they've shot their bolt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they've all their good ideas, all their good plays. They sort of went through in the first half. The second half, they're just going to get rolled. And you see like the familiar collapse uh, as this as this, uh, you know, machine kind of gr- grinds to a halt. And then you're, you're surrounded by Patriots fans uh, who. Yeah, it it is juggernaut, just year after year uh, of of an excellent team, and it is so weird to be surrounded by people who like are excited when the quarterback drops back to like throw a pass. Mm-hmm. Not excited, not not terrified, not like kind of like excited, yeah, that also ball scared. Go clearly 30, 40 yards, and anything can happen, and you think it's probably going to be good. Whereas. You know, like our experience with that we is do like, not. oh, we God, do not think that. oh, Jay, why fucking why, uh, why'd you do that again? Like, just like, just just yes. take the check down to, to, to like, that's fine. Yeah. So so that's that's been a kind of eye opening thing is like comparing them side by side. I'm just like, oh, man, I just don't know. Like, I think maybe this is at least to be some supposed to be somewhat more representative of like what have it like being a fan of a team should maybe feel like a bit more, but I don't know. Like sports romanticizes uh, perennial losers. That's just, that's just a fact too. Like, well, I mean, yeah, every- I, yeah, no, I, I, you know, look at the Chicago Cubs, right? Like, like yeah. the, that is the bears. Wildly least, popular team. Right. And the bears are for as mediocre subpar as they've been for essentially the, the vast majority of, of my waking life and like understanding of them as a team. Um, uh, the Cubs, like, uh, you know, up until they won in, you know, 2016, uh, the identity was love the lovable losers, right? Like, like, Oh, they're always going to suck. They're never going to win anything, but boy, we love showing up for the game. Um, Wrigley field is going to be packed. Wrigleyville is going to be just full of the drunkest idiots you've ever met. And they're going to be at that game. And there was this something about some- like going to Wrigley Field. And it's probably changed now because things are more expensive. The Ricketts, the owners, uh, have like turned that place into a, a more expensive place to visit. But it used to be the case. And this is part of why like a lot of my sports fandom that doesn't come from my family comes through my wife. Because she more naturally came to being a Cubs fan from living in Chicago and a Bears fan from how she how she grew up. Like... She used to go to, she used to live not in Wrigleyville, but very close to Wrigleyville, where you could watch to the walk to the Cubs stadium. And she would just show up on like a random Tuesday and like was able to get off work early. And you know, if you wanted to go to the standing room only spots, like it was a you know, it was five ten dollars. Like you know, you weren't going to be a good seat. You're going to be able to see anything, but you got to be around a bunch of miserable fucks that knew they were going to lose. But you know what? Maybe they were going to win today and you got to be there for that win. And that win is not the World Series, but it feels like the World Series when you're amongst a bunch of people that are just there to commiserate and be together. And you share that communal identity of, but maybe today. Here's the other thing I just want to people who maybe don't understand this about Chicago sports. Chicago is really good at preservation. Like, and there's a lot to preserve there. (laughs) 
most other stadiums that are like contemporaries of Soldier Field and Wrigley Field are gone. Uh, yeah. And a lot of times like mourn the loss of the stadiums that character and like you know i think nobody loves the white Sox stadium right that's widely considered like sort of your your worst case scenario for for 90 stadium rebuilds but the thing you need to understand because i and believe me if you're out there and you're like oh we've got places like that uh near us you know be it a soccer club or, or or whatever uh but i'm not kidding when i tell you like you are dealing with early 1900s infrastructure Mm -hmm. in these places if not before that like soldier field comes from like the world uh the world's fair uh you know that that the part of that whole complex but the thing that just like stands out in my mind is because i haven't seen this anywhere else both those stadiums you go into a men's lavatory p troughs not urinals p troughs big old concrete like troughs that like you would expect a horse to walk up to to like drink. That is what like that you, is where like do do you like splashback because you can't of would you, you're all you're, you're, you're hoping it's splashback, but also <laughs> sports Chicago sports fans are renowned for getting drunk off their ass because your two options are: do you want to find out what's been going on in that stall, or? Do you want to take your chances with with, with but, the horse trough? But the Those thing is, are your and I mentioned options. that not just to gross you out, but like we just all accepted that as like, yep, that's what this is all part of the mm-hmm. rich pageantry of these historic ballparks. <laughs> There's nowhere else like it in America, and you feel that way. You walk in and really, really feel and be like, oh man, the ivy. The brick, uh, you know, the grandstands. Oh, this is this is a cathedral. I need to go pee. And then it was just time to like suck it up. Get ready. Just be prepared for a weird, gross experience because you are basically like going to this hellhole that has not like barely even feels like it's been cleaned since like the Teddy oh, Roosevelt bare, administration. And, and, and it has been. It's the bare minimum. They sprayed some yeah. bleach on it uh, between. Uh, sessions but that's about it and it's so funny because my relationship with soldier field is defined by so when i go from not really have no memories of the bears as a kid um but then when i'm i don't know nine ten like maybe early teens it's when my dad starts Going to Soldier Field all all the time. He was not quite like a high level executive at Riddell yeah. yet, but he was working his way up and had a relationship with the Bears specifically and the the McCaskies, uh, and was close enough to the point that I believe the equipment manager there's a longtime equipment manager that's been with the Bears for like 30, 35 years. And that person went was close enough with my dad then like my dad went to their wedding. And so some of my earliest memories of Soldier Field are my dad saying, you're coming with me to the game. And me going, I don't really care about the Bears or going to this game. Like there was, no, I mean, it's, it kills me now. There's nothing you can do about how you feel about things and your parents and your relationship to them. My dad had a bad habit of not making it an exciting thing that we were doing. It was, right. you're coming it's how my dad treated sports when we were younger. It's like you're playing basketball and baseball till you're in high school, and then you can choose what we want to do after that. Not because it's what. No, you recognize he was handing out golden tickets, uh, dude. I some of my earliest memories of Soldier Field are 
uh, my dad would sneak us on. So he had certain access, but some access he had to like sneak through other people he knew on the, in, in the stadium. And because he knew the equipment manager, my, the equipment manager, so the game would be over. And then we would go sit next to, uh, shit. What do you call it? The, tu- the tunnel, you know, the tunnels yeah. the players come coming in and out of. And we would stand in there, tell a, like my dad would tell a guard, we're waiting for the equipment van and the, the van that takes the dirty like jerseys of all the players. So we would, we would pile into the back of the van before they picked all the laundry up. We would hop into one of the laundry carts in the back. And my dad would tell usually like me and my brother just like sit down. Cause like guards were going to inspect it and we needed to be hidden as we made our way to the locker room. And so from there, some of my earliest memories are we're walking in and just seeing dozens of jacked up naked men from the Chicago Bears. And my dad giving me like no preparation for that. Just walking in and there's dicks everywhere because you go into a locker room and this is maybe true a little bit in high school. I'm sure it's so much different now. I'm sure this is not like what it is. But like. There'd be like a little bit of like like nudity in a locker room and a high school locker room, but like a professional at like sports locker room is just people after the game being like, like the clothes are off and we are seeing everybody. And so I would walk around with my dad and the equipment manager and my dad they pointing out like, and that's that player and that's that player. And it's just like naked and like slapping some other dude and uh and then we'd make our way back out. Like sometimes we'd be given a jersey that like came right off the back of a player. Um, so a very decent chance you saw Jim Harbaugh's deck. Almost, almost certainly. Like yeah. it's, it's at least within the realm of possibility. One of the things I got to do when I was a kid was, uh, which I did not just didn't appreciate, but resented at the time. They don't let you do this anymore. But I, uh, like when they go to kick an extra point, um, I was there were they used they used yeah. to like guess pull up the ropes. Oh, they don't do that anymore. No. Um, I mean maybe it's stadium dependent. Soldier Field eventually stopped doing it. Um, um. But I, I one day got to be behind there and like they would cut to commercial like before they come to do the kick and like I would be there with someone else who would help me and I'm pulling up the net so they can it can catch the ball. And I just had no sense of I mean, it's like anything else. Like it's the closest yeah. I can understand to what it's like being rich where you're like, how can yeah. you be so ludicrously out of touch with how the average person would view this? Uh, and I had like some version of that experience. I'm mean, like, we weren't rich, but like. My dad had access to an incredible thing um, that I had no sense of how cool and interesting it was. And of course, now look back on that and just go like, you know, I mean, one of the the it was it was enough that when my dad passed away, um, it was only pointed out to me as it was happening because my my dad had a uh, like four hour line to sit through to like shake like the hands of my me and my brother and and my mom who eventually had to sit out because there's too many people. I don't know which McCaskey it was. I'm pretty sure it's George McCaskey, the face of of the Bears. Like he stood in line, did not have a person that stood for him. And essentially, my understanding is stood for hours in line to then shake my hand and, um, you know, send, you know, their condolences along, which just like goes to show like this relationship I had with this team or my family did that I just had no real appreciation for uh, at the time. Yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, but and the, the, the larger point of all that is yeah. it sounds like more with you and your family. Part of the groundwork of your fandom was 
uh, you actually had a sense of the rhythm of the team, right? Yeah. And I had no sense of the rhythm of the team. Like, cause that's not what I watched it for. I, my relationship with the bears was I went to game, like occasionally went to games once or twice a season. And like, they're just, that's a thing my dad did for his job. And if anything, that probably reinforced why I was uninterested as a fan, because like, that's my dad's job. Like, what do I give a shit about what he goes to do, you know, uh, on, on the weekends? Yeah. I, um, yeah, there, there, there were a lot of ups and downs over those years. And I think I, I, I do have a decent, a decent sense for the rhythm of the team, but I mean, here's the weird thing. I think this is why football is, maybe this is true of all sports, but I just, I just have lived with this most closely with football, the rhythm of the team. Uh, what is it? Uh, all families are unhappy, but every unhappy family is unhappy in a different way. Uh, and that is different. That's that's the story of like different Bears teams. Like I can I can tell you, like the quality of badness that defined Dave Wanstatt's uh, like Chicago Bears <laughs> taking it from Dicko, which is a tough act to follow. Uh, you know, and what separated that from like Dick Duran? These, these coaches that you you kind of liked, you you hoped things would work out, but you just feel them sort of coming undone at the edges. And then I can tell you about the, the weird vibe of like Lovey Smith, statistically a wildly successful coach mm-hmm. uh, should never have been fired. Um, like did not turn that team into a dynasty uh, like people hoped, but turned it into a powerhouse uh, in the, in the NFC North. But I can also tell you those years didn't feel like they never felt like that good of a team. Like they always felt like they were overperforming and like the ceiling was super low. Uh, and so like, well, they had really exciting moments, right? Like there was, yeah. oh, you, you were guaranteed in that era that, you know, Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs, Devin Hester, um, Charles Tillman, um, any number of players were going to do something really exciting. And you were relying on those really exciting things to, <laughs> Both like make your enjoyment for that Sunday and also provide you with the win because the quarterback on the other side is the one that you're going to bury your head. You know, the the famous, uh, you know, knocking against Smith was that he was hiring a new offensive coordinator every single year because he had no sense for what offense even was. And so uh, if that team had ever been paired with even a mediocre offense, I don't know if it was a dynasty, but they probably they probably won a Super Bowl. You know, they probably won the 2006 yeah. Super Bowl. Well, yeah, and that's the it all comes together just uh, like two years too late. Like, w- like, no doubt in my mind, Jay Cutler would have, and maybe even that year still still should have won a Super Bowl. Oh, that, uh, oh, that year. The Bears. That, if he arrives two years earlier. God, that uh, NFC Championship no game between it. the Bears and the Packers is is one of the all-time what ifs. Um, uh, but, that's, it, you, but doesn't that also feel like you can just, fe- yes, it, it feels like this is a turning point. That whole season felt like a turning point, but yeah. that that felt like a in on like Earth Two. Mm-hmm. He leads a, he leads them to a comeback victory over the Packers. He plays through a dodgy knee. The Bears win a Super Bowl, and like God knows what happens. But here in reality, the myth of Aaron Rodgers takes shape as just a cold blooded killer, particularly of the Bears. And Jay Cutler turns into a guy with kind of a, a bad demeanor. And like, does he kind of just quit on games sometimes? And the, the, the irony is, of course, you know, we're, we're talking a major championship game. They were one, they were one win away from a Super Bowl. They still have a very good chance of winning. Yeah. And specifically, uh, Rob, that was the Super Bowl that I went to. Yeah. 
That's the one. <laughs> like that was the one. Like my dad had been trying to get us to go for years. My mom hated going. Uh, and my, oh, that, you, so you watched Aaron Rodgers win the Super Bowl. I I was forced to choose between uh, rooting for Aaron Rodgers or an accused sexual assaulter. You know, just because they played the Steelers um, for mm. that uh, for that Super Bowl. So uh, that was fun. Um, but the best story I have from that uh, weekend uh, is. Uh, my dad was so excited to be able to tell everyone that he worked with, uh, because he get all these party tickets and he was supposed to go to them to go schmooze with people. And he's like, Oh, my kids have never been, I'm going to give them the tickets. And so he went to one, he came to like the, the first party was the Madden party. Um, and he came to that just because it was the first one. And after that, he was like, I have no interest. Please don't get in any trouble. I don't care how much you drink. The, all, the only thing you have to do is show up early for the Super Bowl because he was going to take us to some VIP thing where there were actual people he wanted to introduce us to. Other than that, the two days were ours to to, to do with what we went. Yeah. And so the, at the Madden party, we meet um, some like group, men EA Sports or like yes. John Madden? No, no, Madden. no. John Madden was not okay. at the Madden. It was the, the EA uh, uh, party. Uh, that kind of kicks off uh, like the one of the one of the first days of the stretch of Super Bowl parties, and <laughs> some group of people there that my brother kind of clicked with, and he was like, "We should meet up with them later." And so we went to some other party two days later. It ended early. My brother texts that person. They're like, "Oh yeah, we're at this bar. And we're all drinking vodka from like a bottles." And like, I don't drink vodka. My brother doesn't drink vodka, but we went to this party. And we drank a lot of vodka, Rob. Oh, boy, and yeah. um, we get out of this bar at like 1 a.m. I look at my brother. I'm like, we are shit faced and we need to be up at a decent time tomorrow to go to this VIP thing. Oh, I looked God. up how far uh, the hotel was and it was like, I don't know, 1.2 miles. I was like, let's grab a big water. And, like there was a gas station. I was like. It's kind of a dusty trail back, but like it's a clear. It was a clear path to like. Where's the Super Bowl this year? This at Dallas Stadium, AT and T. I think is the the stadium. Um, yeah, before the big renovation, though. No, after. Like this was not. Okay. This is why they had that Super Bowl. Uh, okay. I think because like they had just they had just built all that stuff. Had the so it was like the beginning of the jumbotron um, sort of yeah. like stuff that dominates a lot of stadiums now. And I was like, we can see the path to that hotel. Let's walk there. Um, he's like, okay. And so we start walking. I don't know what got into me, but like uh, at some point I just took my brother and I pushed him to the ground because I thought it was funny. And I pushed him to the ground and immediately I hear, wee-oo, wee-oo, wee-oo. And there must have been some cop trailing you. these two drunk kids who were clearly going like in their way back. And we're on the ground and the cop gets out and he's like, stay on the ground. Stay the fuck on the ground. And my brother looks at me. He's like, you dumbass. Like, wh-? And I was like, I'm yelling from the ground. I got my hands behind my back. And I'm like, uh, we're brothers. We're just screwing around. We weren't actually fighting. We're fine. And, and, and the cop, Seemingly clearly a little disappointed that this was not going to be a more exciting adventure. Um, like got up, like we got our hands on the front of the car. Like this is like the like most interaction I've had with like the police on this level, other than being like drunk at college. And the whole time we're like, I'm cool with it. 
But my brother is just like, just sweating bullets, just sweating bullets. And we're just like, we're fine. We're brothers. We we're just screwing around. I pushed him down because we're just drunk and goofing around. We're walking back to our hotel at yada, yada, yada. Uh, we're going to the Super Bowl tomorrow with my dad. And it's like, Ugh. which, which hotel? After he's done checking our IDs and like calling some stuff in, which hotel are you at? And so we explained which hotel we were at. And he's like, all right, you idiots, get in the back of the fucking car. And we're like, what? He's like, I'm just. I'm going to drive you to your hotel. And so we get into the hotel or get into the cop car. And my brother is ecstatic. And he immediately turns to this cop and he's like, you know, we're in the back seat. And so he's like, you know, but it's still like, you know, the, the in-between He's like grabbing onto the metal stuff. And he's like, hey, my dad works for Riddell. What football helmet do you need? We will get you whatever the fuck you want. And the cop was like, I do not need a bribe from your dad to get you back to your hotel. Um, and he pulled us up, dropped us off. Um, it was one of those magical moments where uh, I woke up the next day as though I had never drank anything the night before. Oh, I was that's the best. Spring Jesus, chicken. Yes. Um, my brother was the exact opposite and spent most of the Super Bowl. Like, I remember we sat down for the game and uh, we'd already had a beer or two. He tried to, like, you know, do the whole, like, I'm going to have a beer or two to try and get over this hangover. The dog, yeah. I was like, do you want to? I was like, do you want to? I'm going to go get another one. We weren't in a box seat or anything. We had actually like kind of crummy seats, but it was like it was still fun to be there. And uh, he just had his head in his hands for most of the game and um, <laughs> just trying to get trying to just white knuckle, white knuckle through it. So that's my that's my story of being <laughs> nearly arrested before going to this the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl that the Bears should have yeah. played in. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. But yeah, I mean, like, so I think, like, I think right now the 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 place we're we're both at with this team is uh, twenty eighteen was sort of a false dawn. Yeah, and I think it was clearly a false dawn for the Bears organization because they <laughs> went all in on that team as if like they're just like one or two more pieces away from maturing into certainly a division. A dominating team, probably a conference dominating team, future Super Bowl winner. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember the first game of 2019. They're playing the Packers again in the opener. I want to yep. say, and you and I it was like the reverse of the previous year, where we're texting each other. It's like, hey, does um, does Mitch Trubisky not look better at all? Was this the was this the hundred year, year anniversary game where Matt Nagy, the coach, dresses up as? Papa Bear Hallis and is like wearing like kind of the newsies oh, outfit. God, that's never a good look idea. But is that? Oh my! Did God. you not see? You never saw that photo? No, I did. I did. You just blocked it out of your memory because I think I'm just trying to remember if it was this game, or I don't know if that's the year after or not. 
Oh my god! Yeah, I found the picture. Uh, yep, yep, dude. Yes, because it was the September fifth, twenty nineteen. Yes, because that was meant to be the opening of the two most historic franchises in NFL history. It was the hundred year anniversary of the NFL's league, and the thought was the Packers uh, are you know perennially good because of Rodgers, and that the the Bears were on the upswing, and like boy, they're gonna if they take a leap forward this year, they could be you know a real favorite. And the defense kept him, if I remember correctly, you can look up the score. They kept Aaron Rodgers to 10 points and they scored three points. I believe the score was 10 to three. Uh, oh, fuck that fucking picture. That dopey, yeah. newsy motherfucker. <laughs> Just delete the tweet, Bears. I delete, much like I purge my tweets every couple of years, the sports team should also be forced to purge their tweets every couple of years. Amazing. This is amazing, though. God damn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah. So where, where I'm at now uh, <clears throat> with the Bears is, uh, I you know, I, I expect them. We're recording this on a Tuesday night. The next game they play is Sunday Night Football against the Packers. Uh, I expect them to get their ass kicked. I expect that to go poorly. But what if they don't? But what if they what don't? If, because yeah. here's the thing. Uh-huh. The Packers didn't look good. No, they look very like, bad. Like now middly, they did not look good last year either. Correct. And then they were went on a tear. Like the Packers increasing their team that does not show up looking like they are ready to play. And then they look completely dominant through the cool weather months and then January hits and they disappear mm-hmm. like they just that first arctic blast uh rogers turns into icicles oh, that, 49, that, four, that 49ers playoff game was i was watching that with a buddy down the street uh and it was uh, beautiful like to, to watch him melt down they were the number one in the nfc so they got a buy and they come to play the 49ers and jimmy g hometown jimmy g jimmy garoppolo yep. from Rolling Meadows, I believe, is uh, he went to Rolling Meadows High School, which is not far from a lot of the places I was around growing up. Uh, you know, did he play well? No. Did he play good enough? Yes. Did the, the Packers special teams have a complete meltdown and make that game possible for the Niners? Absolutely. Um, and I will take that every every day of the week. So I think it's possible. Like I do, I think there is a scenario in which the pattern repeats, in which. You know, Rogers tears him apart, and he's got some dumbass quippy comment. I own you. And yeah, yeah, we're miserable at the end of the at, the at the end of the game. Yes, because I'm I've seen that story a thousand times. That said, I do think we are closer on the timeline to th- there being an ugly upset, right? Like where I'm not saying the Bears are going to beat them forty to ten, but if they bought beat them thirty to twenty seven on some sort of field goal at the end, and you've got him. Huffing off on the sideline. Uh, I think it's in the realm Rogers of possibility. Is so much fun to watch. His body works. language has always been bad. And it's my favorite thing about watching him as a player in particular. Football as a sport is interesting to watch because the players are the most anonymous. Well, yeah. maybe, maybe, ho- I, I, you know, I don't watch a ton no, of hockey, but like hockey is way less, uh, is still way more personalized than uh, football is the football. biggest sport. And I bet it has the least amount of players that people could name or identify um, because like the straight up costuming of football le- like leads even quarterbacks to like experience some level of anonymity 
because of the very fact that it's the way the camera is shot. Um, um, it, you just don't necessarily, you might not internalize how they look, but he is one of those few players. Part of it's because he's as big as, you know, as, as, as talented as he is how, for how old he is at this point. I think he's 37. Um, uh, but his body language is awful. Um, and then also he's gone through this entire, I think I'm an edge, not, I think I am an edge Lord. Um, you know, COVID, COVID but is also a, a new age granola oh, edge Lord. Yeah. Too. I've like, got, I've got tattoos. Do you want to see what my tattoo is, bro? Uh, you know, do you want to know what it means? I'm, um, well, and also it was great because there was apparently a clip at the beginning of the Packers game where he's been pushing this, these, these, uh, these drugs he's been taking. I, I don't, I, I'm being reductive on drugs. So I forget what the actual term was, but there was something he's been taking to find himself. It's, and find- it's the one I cannot, I cannot pronounce. It's uh, ayahuasca. Is that yeah, it? That's pretty much it. Yeah. Like I've heard it said otherwise and you, you more or less 90% of the way there. And the whole sense is like, this is where I found my inner self. You know, the inner self that none of his family wants to associate with at, at any point and constantly is alienating. Uh, but they're like, I guess before the game, he was asked about that and was like, this is how I found my inner peace. And then there's this, there's a, there's a, if you look it up, there's a, there's a throw that happens early in the game against the Vikings. He was throwing to one of his new receivers, a rookie Christian Watson, and he tosses a, a beautiful right in the bread basket ball yeah. that just slips right through this poor rookie's hands because that's what rookie wide receivers are yeah. often terrible. And he looks off to the sideline at his coach, Matt LaFleur, and just is like, yeah, I fucking told you. And then looks like, like the cameras catch him just like shaking his head, not trying to hide it at all. He is just such a genuine piece Dude, of shit. I, I, I saw wa- before the game, I saw an interview with him like from uh, practice during the week where he's like, these young rookie receivers, you know, you drop a pass. Uh, you're not going to be getting another another target. <laughs> uh, they just got to learn. And what are you so, going to throw to? Devontae Adams well, is on the Raiders, that's, buddy. <laughs> that's the other thing. So. He like makes this little point of like snubbing this rookie for missing this one pass. Here's the problem: the rookie is one of the only guys with the speed and the moves to like get open. And Rogers just like because he doesn't like the guy, uh, or or is pissy, and this is just how he plays. Yeah, uh, seemed to just like refuse to target him, uh, for for a lot of the rest of the game until until late when it was, when it was kind of too late. But yeah, Rogers is an interesting foil, uh, for for the Bears. Um. Somebody actually asked, it was like one of the first questions somebody sent in, uh, is Aaron Rodgers washed or should we not count him out yet? Uh, fuck the Packers. Yeah, I think you're you're fool if you count out Rodgers, but at the same time, I do feel like we under we all understand him more now, mm-hmm. which is, and, and, and this is actually my, my sort of theory of Aaron Rodgers. Um, he is undeniably one of the greatest quarterbacks of this era, maybe ever. And will never have the body of work to back it up. No. And you're running a lot he, of He this. is just as he is probably more talented than Tom Brady, but yeah. will never be spoken of in the same hushed tones. He's the kind of player, and I think he knows this, in which the players that he will be f- f- kind of forgotten, right? Like he he will be the kind of player that people who knew football, who were there knew how good Aaron Rodgers was. But in 15 years, people are just that one Super Bowl, just that one Super Bowl. And then, wow, look at all those botched playoff losses. And wow, frequently many of them were lopsided. And actually you didn't show up. 
Um, yep. And that doesn't tell the whole story of like how stuff like that works, but that's legacy. And he is a person that is, that is both obsessed with image and without like reading too, trying to read too much into like his relationship with his family. Like someone that's like so self-centered on themselves to a degree that has deep ramifications for everyone around him. And well, it's it's one of it's one of the things that I think is like I think there's something a little bit tragic about anyone who's like an incredible individual competitor mm-hmm. whose gifts lie with a game where fundamentally an individual is not in control of their own destiny. Correct. Like he has the mentality of a pro golfer or a tennis star or like or maybe a pitcher in baseball if you want to go that route. Like, but even even there, I think just the culture of baseball is different. But he he is a guy who like wants to be the hero and wants to and believes he can do it all his, his but, but his like if, if he if 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 you make want to make the michael jordan comparison which i'm not yeah. saying they're on the same level but like if you there's a certain you know uh, uh way you can draw that line in terms of like athletes of their era but in the in the nba you can have a lebron you can have a mike a michael jordan you can have a player that puts an entire team on their shoulders and gets them there and there's there are instances where that happens in football but it's extremely rare. It it is it is so much. Uh, the quarterback is both extremely important and yet entirely reliant on the infrastructure around them for things. Especially when you're his age, right? Where you become a an intellectual pocket passer. He can run every once in a while, but that's not why he's good. Yeah. Um, um, you have to be able to diagnose a defense, do protections at the line, and just be able to throw an unbelievable dime over and over again, but it requires that the other person catches the pass. You can't catch the touchdown in like yeah. LeBron can take the ball in and dunk it, you know, and he, Aaron Rodgers can't catch the pass. And, and famously Tom, Tom Brady from that Eagles Super Bowl tried to catch a pass and it, 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 it didn't, it didn't work out. Yep. So I, I think that's, I think that's one of the, the sources that I think in a really profound level, like dudes like Tom Brady, are real comfortable and they like being part of a team. Like as corny as mm-hmm. it is, they like they like the job yeah. of being a football player and being a quarterback and like being part of that unit. I don't think Rogers does, and I think he, like he wants the accolades, he wants the stats, and I th- like to me, it's always felt like, especially in these last few years, there's just a desperation to get to pile up some achievements uh, that'll like sort of mark this career, and obviously, just one more Super Bowl would be would be a, a, a part of that could be could be part of that argument uh, how, do you explain, hey, how do you explain his his the, the the receiver that has haunted us as much as rogers has haunted us Devonte adams being offered the same amount if not more money from the green bay packers than with the oakland raiders and he just leaves like stuff like that suggests to you just a weird like someone that doesn't have strong relationships with their team like because they don't consider themselves part of a team they sort of consider themselves the orbit that the team operates around um and i i think he is the you know in some ways he he makes his own failures as a, as a result of that because he's just not the type of player that is known for being you know there's being hard on the folks around you and then there is making people miserable and scared of you um and like those are those are different team building activities. Yeah. The, the Adam situation, which was, yeah, like, 
Well, one, I uh, so I went to school in Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh, that's where I went to college. Mm-hmm. That's where the visiting teams play, Green mm-hmm. Bay. So I was in the I was in like the happening town in the Fox <laughs> River Valley compared uh-huh. to Green Bay. Like to an extent, I, I don't think you'd overlook uh, wh- whatever the dynamics with Rodgers are. I suspect it's kind of hard working out of Green Bay. I don't uh, think you can convey athlete for for people that don't live in the Midwest. There are towns in the Midwest that are what you would think are the middle of nowhere. And then there's Green Bay. Green Bay is it is is the middle of nowhere in a place that is the middle of nowhere like there's nothing to do it is a not like there are some places like uh like arlington texas where like the the yeah. cowboy stadium which are stadium towns right that are like they they are built and centered around a stadium green bay is is a quintessential Small like, midwestern city and like in and like upper like north wisconsin like in like surrounded by snow the town shuts down there's no way out sort of city and like that's a hard place to live for yeah eight months of the year i mean i i like i i it's weird like i'm nostalgic as hell for living up there and Mm -hmm. also in 15 20 years i have not been back uh (laughs) because like why like there's nothing there but but also like I I got my fill, you know. I like I got my fill of like uh you know wearing the heaviest winter coats you've ever put on. Like the more layers you ever put on, take one foot outside, blast of wind hits you, and it's like you might as well be naked. Well, the, one of the one of the best ways I can explain it is uh, when I've had friends. Because being born in Wisconsin, spent a lot of time in Wisconsin. I have a lot of Packers uh, fans who yeah. are friends. When they go to games, they don't stay. Right. Like and they're constantly winning. And so you might think, well, all right, time to roll out of the Lambeau field, go to the bars, crash at our hotel. No, there's nothing to do. And there's like nowhere to go. You leave like you tailgate, you play, you like you watch the game. You hopefully sober up between the third and fourth quarter. And then you drive three hours back to wherever the fuck you came from. (laughs) I uh, uh, so do you ever listen to um, he's got he just started his own podcast, uh, but was a guest for a number of years, uh, not for a number of years, for like for like a year or two on a uh, Bamani Jones's show. Dominique Foxworth. I uh, listen to him constantly on Mina Kimes' show. Um, yeah, he, he rolls. He's a regular guest on there. I'm very excited that the two of them are doing like a regular Tuesday show. Like he's yeah. he's an excellent. Like there are lots of ex players that are not very good. Like they're talking because they were ex players, not because they have like a real insight. Uh, to like communicate to the average audience member what's interesting about what happened. He's very funny, very good. And like, yeah, he's the Mita Kime show. I can't like, she's a great follow on Twitter. Very funny, very insightful. And her podcast is, is always excellent. And he's good uh, at it too. Fun fact. So we, we named our dog Mina for Minotaurs. Like we were looking for a classical name. She, uh-huh. we way overrated the fact that in her behavioral testing, she like, speed ran a maze that they ran the dogs through and we're like she's a genius like Mina the Minotaur all that <laughs> uh, but you have for, for AKC, AKC dogs you have to give them a full name so when, when it came time to do that we were like uh, what if her full name were Mina Crimes <laughs> and so <laughs> Mina's Mina's AKC registered name is Mina Crimes oh my god uh, wow, you learn something new every day which is, it, it believe me, is fitting T-I-L. because this this dog 
causes all sorts of uh, chaos and, and mayhem. <laughs> but anyway, the, the thing that never occurred to me, because even I did not fully realize like how small Appleton, the Fox Valley is. Um, Foxworth was talking about when team, when he would go and play in Green Bay, there's one hotel you stay at. It's like the, the Paper Valley Hotel in, in Appleton. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the only one that's like big enough and nice enough to accommodate a team. They cannot everywhere else. Teams do team dinners. Mm-hmm. When they would play in Green Bay, you had to do unit <laughs> dinners. Like they couldn't. There was no place that could absorb uh, like the team arriving for dinner. Even if you booked it, it didn't matter. So you'd have to send guys out in waves feeding the team on a on a away game at, at, at Green Bay it was like a multi hour process of like stages of people being like ferried to restaurants uh, to sort of cycle through because you couldn't do it. And so that's kind of like, this is the weird thing is like green Bay is, you know, Chicago is a founder of the NFL. So green Bay, um, you know, effectively these are sort of cornerstone franchises. The difference is Chicago has always been a great city. Mm-hmm. Green Bay is a city that ended up with a football team. Yeah. Back when like, you know, I mean the, the bears started as what the Decatur Staley's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the Packers just like Green Bay starts a football football team, and they've been there ever since. Makes no sense. It's just a weird quirk of uh the fact that like when this league was created, Green Bay had a football team, and they're one of the few teams that never left. Didn't didn't move. Nothing changed. Um, and so they've been there ever since. And so that's the other thing that's kind of perplexing and endearing about that team. Uh, which is that they shouldn't have that team. No. Uh, maybe Milwaukee should, but like Green Bay is just a baffling place for this team to exist. Uh, and yeah, that's that's kind of perfect. Well, give it, you know, in the long stretch of time, we'll see what happens if they ever go through like a long enough stretch where they are bad and rough. And then you start, you start, you know, whenever that, whenever they need to build a new stadium, I don't know where the, the timeline is on something like that. That feels oh, they'll like they'll just issue more. They'll just issue more Monopoly oh uh, paper. Oh my god! The owners. Um, Time to create more owners. God, we should touch on some of the. I should say, I, I, you know, uh, we have done lots of calls out for questions. People have always been very kind to send uh, stuff in to help us, like guide some discussion points or give some ideas and things we should talk about. I, I have not had, never had the response that we have had to. Hey, we're. We're going to talk about the Chicago Bears for a long time. And also, if you want to send in some sports questions to give us other things to talk to. Well, just just I mean, 200 plus questions, incredible stuff. Uh, almost none of it we're going to get through here. I did just like we'll get to a handful here. But like I wanted to shout out like just it was a very encouraging, like very heartening response to have people uh, not just indulge, but clearly be like interested in. I don't know, like well, participating in this in this goofy endeavor. Yeah, and I, I don't know what this is, but like the, the the weird thing is for me in some ways, uh, you know, we're not sports experts. We're never going to be. No. This is just not like a thing we're able to to front. I can say too uh, high as many times I want, but I I know that's two safeties, and I can't tell you what happens after that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but I think like for me, like the, the name I was pitching for this was like <laughs> Bear Downers uh, or something <laughs> like that. But like. Because for me, in some ways, this is like I want to have a place for these conversations about like what it's like to live with this toxic love that yes. is sports, particularly Chicago sports. Right. Because for me, it's like 
all this is bound up with people and specific places. And to yeah. really, I wonder, I, I like, I, I hope that this, this story, this, this type of show travels well, that like, it's, it's not too uh, exclusionary because of its focus. Uh, but also kind of what's interesting for me about it is that like, as I talk about like the bears and Chicago sports and all that, like this is, this is like where you and I are from. Like, yeah. this is the world we inhabit. Uh, and like, it is hard for me to talk about sports away from that specificity. And so I hope if you're listening to this, like in like in the UK or different, you know, different market in the US or something. Uh, I hope some of this is like some of this translate. I guess it's universal, right? Like that yeah. would be my thought is that there is a world where you can listen to what we've talked about. And for a lot of people, they can just swap out the terms and just slot in whatever their personal experience is, their team. Because I think so much of what we're talking about here is, is, is really like why a lot of people watch sports. I mean, uh, I think very few or it's a minority of people that are watching sports because they're interested in the like sheer athleticism that comes along the way. Right. Like, but like, I don't watch the NFL because it's the Olympics every week. Um, I mean, there are things I admire about it. There are, you know, there are like singular like characters, narratives, but it's all like narratives, right? Like, like it's my personal narrative with the team. It's it's I will say one of the reasons I really like football and I do watch other sports NBA the most like closely. And then like I watch the Cubs because I like having out in the background. But I like the NFL because every game is so fucking important. Uh, yeah. I can follow the storylines of all of the teams, all of the major characters Every Sunday, everything happens. And so there's something about the way it's condensed. The fact that it's less than 20 games, uh, or I guess now it's maybe, I guess you could go 20 and 0, right? If you were to win every game and go to the Super Bowl with the, with the current structure and the added, the added uh, regular season game. But like, it's possible to understand all the dynamics of a league. And that's kind of what I love about it, uh, is, is the fact that I, and, you know, on a Sunday, I can tune into a game and tell you three things about like what's happening here and why it's interesting. And maybe other people can do that for other leagues. But I that's kind of where I've fallen on the NFL is for all its magnitude of fucking issues. And like, you know, we've gotten questions about people who have fallen off and can't follow it anymore. And God bless you. You would you know, you have yeah. th- there is there is no shame in that. And there is. There is there is more shame in continuing down the path of well of yeah I, mean, I think that's a uh, like that's a conversation we should have uh, maybe as a focus on one of these shows down the road because I think it's a it's right it's a thing you know I used to be like I used to feel like I was real close to walking away from it and now I feel like I'm very far mm-hmm. from walking away from it and like there's some yeah. things that have changed uh, just in terms of like how I view it uh, there's some things I've sort of made peace with uh, and there's something I just realized but like the parts of it that I value, just how damn much I value them. Uh, like, but if like some people sort of wrote in, I think looking for like, do you have a good, do you have a good like reason that justifies like how you like watch this and how you engage with this thing that is toxic in so many ways. And like, I don't think I do have one that will sad. Like, no, the, the criticisms, criticisms you can level against it are undeniable uh, and they are profound. Yep. And we are constantly reminded of how undeniable and profound they are every year. Uh, as this like league and people within it find ways of disgracing it. Uh, and yet uh, there are ways that 
you can sort of see that, but that's not all I see when I look at the NFL. And we, we can talk about that yep. down the road. Uh, but but yeah, that's that's a major part of this. Um, I spotted a couple questions that uh, looked looked pretty interesting here. Um, here's one. I, here's one I dug. Did you, Patrick, or do you, Rob, mm. struggle as a fan of teams associated with cities you no longer live in? Did or does it feel a little less special being a fan from afar? You have a place to go to get that experience like a Chicago focused sports bar. So you were in Bay Area, L.A. Uh, yes. Was the fandom, but but also like this was pre you getting into the sports that heavily, right? Like you were with Katie. Yes. Yeah, so but I, it feels we, like you've gotten into sports more since your dad passed, right? Yes, but it, it, it like has a more like my. It has way more to do with my wife than it does with my dad because we moved to San Francisco. My wife has a very deep uh, Chicago sports fandom, specifically the Cubs and the Bears. And when we moved out there, she would try and she would do she would research. You know, she would back then. This was like, you know, there was less of an Internet database of this stuff. But she would call bars that like said like there there would be when you would move to a city um, sometimes like on Yelp and things like that, it would say like, hey, we are a bar that associates with X, Y and Z fandoms. Um, maybe you be Midwest fandoms like, hey, we cater to Vikings, Bears, Packers, Lions fans. So they were trying to attract a specific type of audience. Um, and so we would look up those types of bars, sometimes go there. But like there was this one around the corner. There was this corner bar when we lived in the Tenderloin district of San Francisco, a really a frequently extremely like crummy area, tough area to live in where my wife constantly had to like call when she was coming home from like the train because it was it was not great <laughs> to be a woman just like walking down some of those streets. And so but she found this one uh, bar that was right at the corner of where we lived, O'Farrell and oh. Polk, I think that's where I think that's where it was. No idea if this bar exists there anymore, but it wasn't that frequent. In. They had a bunch of TVs and they would put on the bears for her and she would go down there and get trashed. Well, like had this awesome bartender that like sat when like pour her a shot when like the bears scored a touchdown and I would play games while she was there and she would go there two or three times and come back and be like, oh, yeah, or like, oh, and at a certain point, I was like, OK, this clearly means a lot to you. Um, I want to get into this too, or like have a better understanding, go with you. Like this thing that means something to you should mean something to me. And so I started like one of my ways of getting into it was like getting into fantasy football leagues was like, what's the fastest yeah. way that I can start caring about this? And it was having an investment in the entire league. So it's like a downloaded podcast. I download, I started getting into fantasy football. And like those are the ways that I started like, just like downloading information about, the league and that's where i went from uh just the nfl being a thing that was on in the background sometimes to like far surpassing my wife in terms of like interest and like understanding um and even fandom when it comes to to the bears like there are years where she checks out games were like nothing frequently especially after we had kids nothing makes her happier than uh the bears getting blown out on a sunday night football game at halftime because oh thank god I can go to bed, whereas I'm just sitting there moping for the for the remainder of the half. But uh, that was actually in that like 10 years or so where we lived in the Bay Area, other than me coming to the 
to have a fandom just to be closer with my partner. Um, that was a huge thing that like kept us connected from where we came from, because when we left the Midwest, we always intended to come back. We, we left because of my job, but if we were lucky enough to stay together and we both wanted a family, we always knew we were, there was no question. We were coming back to the Midwest. We were going to come back to the Chicago area because that's where her family was. My family was, it's where our extended family and stuff are in Wisconsin, Minnesota. We were always going back there. And the bears ended up being this anchor, uh, to like keep us localized to this part that we missed very deeply, even as we were sort of like establishing our twenties out there and establishing careers. Um, uh, but I also like had those anchors and also I became like a Giants fan because I was constantly surrounded by them. And so yeah. I didn't feel like it was I didn't it's not that I wasn't a Cubs fan, but it was like, well, I'm here. My friends are going to Giants games. It'd be more fun to like be interested in the team and be happy for them than to like just not go to the games or or sulk when 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 I did. Yeah, I think um I think being away from it made me Drew me tighter the franchise in a, in yeah, a, in no, a way. Yeah, no, I think too. I think that's 100% right. Um cuz like let's way to put this. Um there's a lot of things that I don't know, it's the difference between like living like there's just there's things about Chicago that you're just not going to find elsewhere. And that's true mm-hmm. of any city. Like any city has has its it's weird quirks and things. And honestly, like, a show that everyone is really into this year, uh, been urging Patrick to watch is the bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like one of the things that's really uncanny about the bear is like, it's really truly authentically Chicago. Like, you know, that restaurant, mm-hmm. um, you actually know that there's a hundred or if that's actually <laughs> probably an undercount of those restaurants. Ah, there are like, there are a like place hundreds. That serves, a place that serves beef sandwiches. Like, ah, gee. But like the best <laughs> roast beef sandwiches of your life, right? Like that's the sort of thing where it's like been in business forever. Cheap, delicious, amazing food, like changes your life. There's, there's thousands of these places. They don't exist as much outside Chicago as you might yeah. think. You might be like, every city has this. No, like not quite. They don't, they don't have that. Uh, and so in, in a weird way, like there's so much that just comes from being a bear fan, being connected to this team, the, the people you meet sharing, uh, bears fandom, there's like an entire shorthand and frame of reference that allows you to be like, I'm probably never going to live in Chicago again. I'm never going to live near Chicago again. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a Chicagoan. I'm not going to be, you know, a a Hoosier, uh, you know, anytime soon. None of that. (laughs) Um, But in a weird way, that makes me value this thing more because it's the last thing where it's like, this is home. Like, even if I never go back here, even though it's never home again, I carry this piece of home with me and that's the Bears. So I think if I had stayed in the area, I might have maybe a more detached perspective on it because like you take it for granted but now it's like you know in in years where like nobody was showing bears games because they were so bad you'd see like two games and we might be on the cusp of another era like that i don't know (laughs) uh but like you know i'd be finding ways to to watch them uh and it was like you know like you know we read about people pulling in radio broadcasts from like a long long forgotten like homeland or something just hear the language spoken that's me like tuning into (laughs) that's that's me tuning into the score like play by play uh, yeah jeff joniak i think he's the play by uh, yeah so like 
Yeah, I think I, I think it's actually probably made it made that fandom burn hotter um, than it than it otherwise would have. It, it makes me curious about you know this is years from now, but inevitably the Bears are I think going to build a stadium that is not quite yeah. walking distance, but is would be a drunken walking distance uh, from from my house, and that will then reshape my own relationship with the team and fandom and like it's like you're talking about uh the heart grows fonder through lack of proximity and the bears are threatening to have to be like to influence the value of my house in terms of uh proximity and you know that that is five six seven years away in terms of when that actually happens but it is you know it is to the point where they are holding you know, uh, town hall meetings at high schools that were adjacent to where I went to, where I had friends that went to. And it's like, okay, well, once you're doing that, uh, probably means that that thing is actually going to happen. And, uh, you know, I'm on the season ticket list, you know, I, I put it in a year ago so I could, the, the no, you know, I don't hold any, I have zero interest in my kids, like having interest in like, I don't need to raise my kids to be bears. I don't give a shit what they do. Yeah. Right? Like they should come to their, you know, owned that said, I will say my uh, my daughter's favorite thing about having uh, Bears games is that her friends all come over. We either, we go to someone's house in the neighborhood and then all the kids pile in so that they can all be in the same house. And then the, the parents could all drink and just have everyone be centralized. And uh, we hosted that this past weekend for the for the opener. And the one thing she remembers from even as young as when she was three is that when the Bears score a touchdown, uh, I pick her up and I like run her outside the door and then we come back in. Um, and that is one of those things that is like super cool. She doesn't care about the team. She, you know, has yeah. this, like little uh, Bears cheerleaders outfit that she took off 20 minutes into the game because she said it was itchy. But she would hear screaming from the garage come out. And she's like, touchdown. Uh, you know, she's six now. And I'd be like, uh, interception. She's like kind of like a touchdown and i was like kind of like a touchdown and then i would pick her up and it is i showed you videos of how it was raining and i took her out like ran into the downpour came back in uh and uh like it's funny because like that's kind of the relationship i have with like my kids and the fandom is like they, they associate it with oh my god we get to be on our ipads for three hours while the parents get to drink beer in the, in the garage. This is awesome. We love the bears. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you like the thing about that, that stadium deal, if it ever comes through, but like I could not get out of my head. The other plan right now is to build a dome. And they, explic- they explicitly that- said in one of the recent meetings that happened like a week ago, someone asked, you know, would you do a retractable so you could do both? And they said, this is not how they phrased it, but fuck no. Too expensive. The, We're McCaskies. The, the, cost, the cost is like, I believe, yeah. I saw some estimate that like adding a dome is something like a billion and a half dollars for something that adds nothing but quote, bare weather. <laughs> well, and, and, but the, the at the same time, like I understand like it's the direction things are going. And, yeah. Like, no, there's the something, there is team. something lost in that. We will never... That, that rainy game when we'll especially happen. that fourth half where the sky just opened up and like yep. Bears players were talking about like you could just see the fight go out of the Niners. Yeah. Like as you uh, you know, they're they're starting to lose this game, but now the lead becomes insurmountable because none and of they the wanted things to that go they home. can do. They yeah, wanted to go. It just home. sucked. 
Yeah. Like it was cold. It was wet. They could not even like mount a comeback because the, you could no longer execute the plays you would need to to mount yeah. a comeback. Uh, but like the shots of the rain like whirling past the stadium floodlights, uh, just sheets of it coming down. The the chalk lines painted on the field, just like dissolving into <laughs> into smears. Oh, so, so, so I was like, some this of my is magical. Some of my favorite, uh, like, baseball stadiums are going to end up being, like, the last bastion of this as, like, everything gets domed. And in San Francisco, one of my – it's one of my favorite quirks of uh, the Giants stadium is – and there's a couple stadiums like this, but the Giants is the one I always associated with – is, like, uh, you. it's right on the bay. Like, it's, it's on the yeah. water. Like, you walk down 2nd Street um, and you just run into the Giants stadium and it's – the, there's a there's a there's a bridge right there and it like leads right yep. into the ocean and you crack a ball I don't know exactly where they fall but like there are boats and people in kayaks yeah. just outside the stadium like hoping a ball falls through and then they're gonna they're gonna boat over a kayak over to try and grab it and now granted you know the weather in the in the Bay Area is like generally pretty good all the time but there's something it, I associate that with the same sort of the Bears winning Justin yep. Fields and his offensive line going to, you know, s- essentially swim in the end zone puddle water with if this team's team ends up being any good, Rob, if Justin Fields lives up to even half of the expectations that people have talked about what he could be, you'll look back on photos like that and be like, those were moments that were foundational for that team yep. establishing the talent, the culture, the identity and that won't exist at a, a stadium like that. And I, again, I don't think that's, you don't need that stuff, but there is something lost with the elements removed from, like, there are questions here about, you know, what do you consider sports? And like, when I do think about football, like I have trouble removing part of this being in the Midwest, the, the elements, partially because yeah. like my own relationship with like playing baseball games outside and things like that, like I associate the elements with athletics and the moment you start removing that, does it make everything a little more pure, a little more simple? Yeah. And maybe that's better for the entertainment product, but man, there's something about the wind and the snow and the rain. Yeah, It's not I mean, bare weather. I just like the fact that in some ways it makes these, un, like these incredible, incredibly talented humans mortal. Like watch when I watch a snow game or a rain game and they just can't do any of the shit that they spent their whole careers building towards. I don't know. There's something about watching these gods brought down to like, like to, to mortal beings that is, I don't know. It's cool. Like it's, I, I like it a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there, there's something about, uh, yeah, there, there's just, there's just something so special about when the elements play a role in, in these games that the sport can be a little bit too, predictable uh if it's played in like lab conditions uh you know i mean was it was it a great football game when you had that um just freakishly windy cold day in buffalo last year with the buffalo patriots, patriots game i loved that game it was so funny because like literally nobody could throw the ball i think uh, one uh, pass the entire game one pass that rules it's because like in in, in you know <clears throat> football isn't quite at the same Football is at the uh, 
like the the beginning stages of sort of like the an, an, an analytical revolution. Like that, like we're gonna look back in twenty years in terms of like how players are developed, identified, understood, implemented. Um, we are still in an era in which there are football guys, and like that's just gonna be true. That's a generational shift especially as analytics becomes integrated and understood in terms of the ways that it makes the most sense for football. But um, I don't like, yeah, I'm with you. Like there is something about, and maybe this is just like, you know, old people talk and like, it just won't make any sense. Like in, in terms of like where football as a sport goes in the decades to come, but there's something about that where it's like the plan is thrown out. Fuck it. Like we can't do any of if the, the Packers shit playing the do. dome. They're hoisting Aaron <laughs> Rodgers third Absol- like championship abs- banner to the Raptors. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And like, I mean, last year, what the uh, Michigan Ohio state played that game in like just perfect snowstorm mm-hmm. uh, throughout the entire game. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was magical. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I love this stuff. Uh, I will be sad if the berries of all places uh, get, get rid of it. I know you can still build beautiful stadiums that feel like they are still like, part of the elements like i think michigan uh not michigan minnesota stadium it gets a lot of light. really good at letting the light in and yes. it feels like outdoor light is yes. in the in the place it, it feels really cool uh but yeah i i do love you know playoff football when you've just got like arctic conditions in kansas city buffalo right, right. uh lambo everybody just suddenly like the plan you know hanging by a thread in the face of those <laughs> conditions uh i love it it's 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 uh it's beautiful and it's, it's part of the game i'll be i'll be sad to see more places uh get rid of it um we have a great question here uh you know talking about unpacking some stuff for people who are not familiar with uh some some stuff from american sports as a non-american i have a question i'm too afraid to ask <laughs> what the fuck is a draft <laughs> None of our sports do this. The idea is completely alien. I know it has something to do with who goes to be on what team, but Americans are are all born with this knowledge and nobody has ever explained it. Uh well, so the draft probably shouldn't exist. The 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 draft thing is a weird artifact, I would say, of American collegiate sports and the symbiotic relationship. Like this is definitely true in football. Um the weird symbiotic relationship they have with pro sports. And the idea is that the best prospects coming out of uh, like college programs are entered into, they, they announce their eligibility for a professional league draft, but for the sake of parody uh, teams are like, it's sort of a catch up feature that like weaker teams get higher, more, uh, higher draft selection positions where they can get the best prospects. They they get an earlier pick of the best people coming out of the coming out of the collegiate leagues, and it's a horrible system, utterly utterly trash. <laughs> um, yeah, because you because it, it's you know it is rare to have like for example like the Colts when they transition from Manning to Andrew Luck, in which you have, I mean they didn't take proper advantage of Andrew Luck ultimately, but like let's say like a decent organization that has an off year and then has an incredible prospect that then they can take advantage of um, and just kind of like drop into a system. Usually what happens is bad teams draft incredibly talented players. And because of the structure of the contracts, essentially 
own them for like yep. four to five years. Um, and I use that like language like pretty specifically because like the the way the player contracts are constructed, it is extremely difficult and cost prohibitive for a player to try and demand a trade, get out at least until the fourth year of, of their contract. Essentially it's just unheard of even amongst the most talented of players. I mean, there, there, there were demands actually from the Chicago from like analysts saying like, Hey, the Chicago bears drafted Justin Fields into a bad program. They're going to waste him. Maybe Justin Fields should set a precedent and demand a trade in their second year, even though that's just not what happens. And you know why that didn't happen? Because that's not what happens. And uh, these contracts essentially tie down these players to different organizations to, 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 as you said, the word parity is extremely important. To a lot of these leagues, what they want is a bunch of teams that are kind of the same. In the most idealistic of terms, it allows if you have a team in great Can- competition. Well, yeah, like if you have a team in Kansas City, <clears throat> who the fuck wants to go to Kansas City, right? And like Kansas City can build a team, not because that's an ideal destination, like a New York or an LA, but because they're bad. They get a Patrick Mahomes, and then they want to play for Patrick Mahomes. They get an Aaron Rodgers. Who the fuck wants to go to Green Bay? Nobody. But you go to Green Bay, you want to play with Aaron Rodgers. And, like, that's the theory of how, why you do it this way. It has its – I understand the theory. In practice, it's probably something that should, like, be, like, halfway ditched. <laughs> like, so, something like, you know, things like fifth-year options are horrible for players. But it's the, the best potential stars – of a sport. Yeah. And by design, giving them to people who have demonstrably fucked up. Yeah. And let me tell you, in American sports, particularly football, like football is really engineered to be a league with parity. So if there's a team that's perennially bad in football, that is not like that is not. Oh, boy, they're they're just unlucky. That is a bad program. Yeah. Like st- like if if just you put Patrick and I in. <laughs> As like GM and and head of like president of football ops, and we are just putting on Twitter questions like, "Hey, just vote on this contract. Does this seem good to you?" <laughs> we would probably end up around five hundred yeah. over time. Just yeah, I think it would be crowd. league like average. Yeah, the league would just like the we get good draft picks. We'd be like, "Yeah, that guy seems good. Sure, whatever." We'd be, uh, we'd, you know, you know Rob, just auto draft. We would be in the hunt. At the end yeah. of the year, would be in that gra- the in the hunt graphic. Would be re- looking at that wild card. Are we going to get there? Probably not. But you know what? We're in the hunt. But there's a lot of teams in the NFL that are just like, wow, they're crap every year. And that's because at multiple layers of the organization, there are people who are actively bad at their jobs, making key decisions. Mm -hmm. And they are the people who just year in, year out, get to get first pick of the best athletes coming out of the college programs. Like, um. A guy who was identified as a cannot miss prospect early in his high school career, maybe even back to middle school, Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence, like was drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars to be, to fall under the quote unquote tutelage of one of the most toxic college uh, coaches, uh, you know, of modern history and a guy who proved himself to be completely unfit um, as as any kind of coach, particularly a, a pro football coach. And so, like. You know, the, like it's kind of a rehabilitation project. Like, can this guy be salvaged as a great NFL quarterback? But this is a guy who, like, there was never any doubt he would be a great quarterback someday. 
But the people who got a crack at him were the sort of people that like if there was a way to ruin a kid, these are the people who would do it. And that's historically who the Bears have been too. Like Justin Fields is like, I really want him to turn out to be good. Yeah, I want the Bears to be good. I also just like kind of feel sick to my stomach at the thought of like a player so many people were excited for and he walks through the doors of Hallis Hall and just like turns into a Bears quarterback. Yeah, I think it's real telling that there's people who are like kind of quietly optimistic about Mitch Trubisky, who was a joke in his time in Chicago. Um, you know, quietly optimistic about him in uh, Pittsburgh. He, he, uh, he you know, playing for the Steelers. He didn't, he didn't play very well in the first game. <laughs> he had a, he had one good first quarter, and then the rest was a little. Hey, I saw I, I saw some complaints. The the play calling was maybe you know. <laughs> Let Mitch cook. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the draft is a weird thing. And it, mm-hmm. it is it is hugely there to protect the completely immoral and indefensible institution of college sports. Well, and uh, and, which, uh, and, and, and in uh, sort of in tandem with that is that what different the NBA is the best example of this in which players have recognized that if you are talented to a certain degree, you can just put up your middle fingers and get what you want. You can get out. You can go somewhere else. You can be on a bad team in a bad situation and find try roll the dice and try and find a better one. You know, maybe you're Kevin Durant and you've tried that for the third time and the team says no. Um, but uh, there's more like, you know, the, the, this is phrased as player empowerment. You know, what we see in things, you know, I don't follow soccer particularly, but like I'm always cracking up at like the, degree of player movement that occurs in soccer soccer um, transfers confuse the hell out of me yes. so like people can write and explaining this please write like, in because there's it, a whole lock stock and barrel deal that goes with license transfers that's a just a different thing i feel like soccer is the exact like if if on one one end is these incredible contracts that lock down the most talented players to the worst teams then soccer is is maybe the exact opposite. I, I I could be wrong on that, but that's the impression I get from like vaguely following it online. Um, I think it's weirder than that. I think for the best players, there's a weird thing where you don't just buy like the player, you buy like all their image likeness stuff. And that's like so weird. So it's a weird thing where like the players get paid a ton, but I feel like also the uh, it's like the teams get a lease on like all the star power associated with the player. It's very weird. I don't uh, please write. Please in. write. Please in. write in. Explain this to us. But this, this is all just to say that uh, the NFL is very early in players recognizing how much power they have, especially if you're a quarterback. This is starting at the quarterback. It doesn't really super exist for a ton of other positions. But the notion that, yes, the, the the deck is stacked to get against you in the draft contractually. But if you show enough, you can just get out and go somewhere else. And we've seen we usually have just seen examples of that with veteran quarterbacks. They get tired of the situations. And I think the question for me is, at what point do you have this happened famously with uh, Drew Brees, right? And Eli Manning, um, where uh, it was a rare instance in which a player said, I am not going to the team that says they're going to draft me. And then a trade had to be worked out in draft day. I'm forgetting the exact specifics of how all that, that worked out, but it is extremely rare for rookies to say, I am not going to No, I, I'm not going to this bad team. And I think it's going to be interesting. At some point, I feel like that's going to happen, especially with a quarterback that doesn't want to go to a toxic organization. And then what do you do if that player says that publicly? 
Um, do you still draft them and then realize that you have any other team that wants them knows that you're weak and like your your draft capital is going to be extremely suspected to, to pull off the trade. But um, you are right to uh, to suspect that the draft is an extremely weird and probably a sort of a sort of a sequence of events that should not exist. Well, yeah, and like the NBA, like also is trying to destroy uh, their connection to the NCAA. Like that's the NBA, like has created separate development pipelines uh, that they prefer prospects use. Um, so they 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 identify talent earlier, uh, you know, like at the, the the sub prep level, I guess, and start moving them just into a parallel development structure outside uh, NCAA. Some guys still do it for the experience, but like. Uh, yeah, they do, they do not want their guys coming up through uh, college, college athletics, in part also because they're corrupt as hell, uh, because mm-hmm. like the players are worth a fortune. They're not allowed to be paid. And so there will be a way to find a way to get some of these players uh, paid. Um, I wonder if some of that will change like that's, you know, that's like that's changing in the. Um what do they call it? The NIL? I think that's what yeah, they're so called. Yeah, so this is the thing. We uh, Let's table this for another day. Yes, please I write in. Feeling. I have to do some research on this. I have like one question asked. Someone asked, do we have any collegiate college affiliations? No. I, you know, when I went to University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, fighting Illini, uh, they, the, te- the football team was dog shit. The college team was pretty good. I got some stories I can tell about that in a later podcast. Um, but, uh, no, I have family that are like diehard, you know, like Nebraska fans, uh, you know, Badgers fans. But like personally don't follow college sports up until like February of the year and where I'm like, what's happening in the draft? Who do I need to pay attention to? Otherwise, yeah. I, I don't I don't really follow college at all. But it's I, I'm interested from a like you know, labor like payment yeah. standpoint, like what is going on there? How has that changed college athletic? Is that changing? It sort of felt like the nil rights thing has been a smoke bomb a little bit. Yeah. To pro- like to distract from the fact that like the colleges are still taking money out of these kids pockets. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's it's nice that like your local car dealership can be like, we're going to pay <laughs> for we're gonna give all these kids some some money for their for their licensing rights to their to their identity. Uh, but yeah, it it like ultimately it's the fact that these these organ these these universities owe some serious wages uh and like profit share and 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 just do not uh but yeah the draft so yeah the draft is an odd an odd construct of uh of how american sports particularly football are are constructed um and you know we're we're seeing it de-emphasized uh in various sports uh along along various ways let's see Oh, I liked this one. Um, yeah. uh, who is your biggest sports media influence as a child? I still suffer through Bill Simmons shows out of habit, despite them being bad now for a decade plus because of how important his opinions uh, were to me early in my life. Uh, so I'm curious for you, like, I'm sure some of this can be what you listen to as like sports radio when you were younger, the kind of stuff that was on. But then there's also a version of this, which is, you know, the advent of podcasts. Like, where are you? Like, what are you listening yeah, to no, no. to try and understand? Uh, there's there's basically two sources uh, for for me being in uh, for for me following sports. Uh, it is 
the Chicago Tribune sports page of the time, Melissa Isaacson, uh, the sort of the lead beat reporter on football. Dan Pompey, I think, was there uh, back is Bra- then. Is Brad Biggs there still? Is that or is he, he may still be, but this is way before his time. Okay. Uh, and then I think Skip Bayless was syndicated uh, there and was less of a inflammatory shithead than he is now. <laughs> uh, but so read a lot of those guys. But in terms of like the stuff that actually, uh, you know, was informing my sports uh fandom of the time it was the score uh it was it was the uh 670 please pardon 670 right that's the score yes okay um and like doug buffone uh, a lot of (laughs) x-bears that were part of that like you you had your pick like you know, you listen to the play-by-play on Sunday, and then you listen to all the ex-bears like have group therapy session after the games. <laughs> I remember like that horrible uh, Super Bowl loss. Just immediately ran to the radio to hear mm-hmm. like a bunch of the old stars being like, "What the fuck was that? How do you how do you let them do that to you? How do you? I, it's okay losing. How do you lose like that?" And I was like, "Damn right, these guys these guys know what's up." And then like the weird bargaining and rationalizing it would happen across the week. I remember. Um, like you, you set your watch by it. Uh, you know, mon- come Monday, all was doom and gloom. Everything's fucked up in Chicago. What are we gonna do with this team? By Friday, Saturday, heading into Sunday. Bear no, you know, now. Dave Wanstat's a fucking genius. We do not appreciate <laughs> Dave Wanstat enough. I'm part of Wani's army. I love that man. He's gonna, you know, we're gonna see, we're gonna see this weekend how this goes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, singing the singing the fight song, getting ready. Yeah, uh, for for me, I don't have a ton of memories growing up, but I, uh, I can, uh, I can, I can sympathize uh, with uh, this uh, the person writing in, in which I remember when I went through that period where it was like I just need to learn more about what's going on. Podcasts are like it's just become a thing, and so I just went to iTunes and was like searched NFL. And it's like, I'll just subscribe to the first couple that I found. And one of them I subscribed to was Bill Simmons. Uh, I listened to him for years, still occasionally, despite Bill Simmons, capital P, problematic. I like listening to him do the guest the lines with Cousin Sal. I hate it. I'm admitting it here deep into the podcast. You're getting you're getting honest, whiskey-filled opinions of Patrick about what's still in his podcast feed. And I will still listen to them talk about the betting lines because I've done it for 10 years like that like it's only because I've listened to them do it for 10 years the other was uh I listened for years uh around the NFL which is an NFL.com podcast um which is sort of weird because it's like the NFL actually doing their own stuff but these uh this group uh they the best I can associate them with is it sounded like listening to the giant bomb cast with but people talking about football it wasn't that insightful and it's not because they were stupid. Um, I feel like it's the closest like analog I can, I can give to like what we do for a living. Frankly, like we don't make games. We talk Somewhere about games. In the back, the, the, the back issues of this podcast. There was a moment <laughs> where they stopped being a football podcast and started to become like whatever that podcast is. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and I loved listening to it. Cause like it was a listening to people I really enjoyed personalities I really enjoyed and they did talk about football and I remember uh that the, that Bears 2018 season they used to do a segment um in which they adopted a team and the whole point was That's every a great bit 
every week. So they would pick it at the beginning. I forget what the segment was called, but like <laughs> they would. Uh, oh, I'm trying, oh, I'm oh I'm like remembering the theme song. The theme. Ah, it's gonna come to me after we finish recording. It doesn't matter. But they would the team of AT. Ah, it's so close. Anyway, they would pick a team and they would just analyze that game. Like we're rooting for this team this year. They would try and identify an underdog that they think they was gonna have a breakout season and they were excited about. And that 2018 season, they picked the fucking Bears. And like my, the thing I was excited about the most was like. There were so many good games that were things to root about. And I was like, just hammer that download button. Like, no, let's listen to it over cellular. I'm not going to listen to it over Wi-Fi and listen to them, like, talk about my favorite team. Um, and, you know, Mitch presumably being, you know, seemingly might be it might be a good quarterback. Uh, and so, like, that's a lot of for me. It was like not a lot of younger stuff, but like a lot of podcast era um, personality driven stuff where I like fell into different buckets um, these days it's more like analytical stuff, right? So yeah. less personality focused. Um, but one, one thing adjacent to all of that was that one of my, the other podcasts I, because I listened to Bill Simmons and then he formed Grantland and my all time favorite NFL podcast was the Grantland NFL podcast with, uh, Robert Mays and, uh, uh, Bill Barnwell. Um, Bill Barnwell is a writer at ESPN now. Uh, Robert Mays is a, uh, was at the ringer, uh, which is, you know, Bill Simmons is website after that and, uh, is now one of the lead podcasters for the athletic. Um, and I remember like when Grantland went under, uh, they didn't get to do a farewell podcast. It was just over. And as someone whose career has like shifted from like a reporter to like a reporter personality thing, that was one of the first times that I experienced like what my audience probably experiences with like people switching jobs and personalities, like coming in and out of things. I was like, this legitimately, is, this was your one apocalypse. I was, I was gutted. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You're like, you guys all got laid off and you're not going to do some rogue pot. Like I'm not going to get another in this feed. And like, I remember deleting it and just being, I'm just utterly crushed that I was not going to hear the two of them uh, talk again. And then was like further crushed. I will like, I will sit and criticize people who in like, gaming personalities say they're leaving a website and they're like, I wonder where they're going. I wonder who can get hired. But also I was like, I hope Robert Mays and Bill Barbell go to work at the same website again so they can do a podcast. And they didn't. Um, but they guessed on each other's podcasts and that's the the closest I, I still get to that. Almost as good, but not as Almost good. not. No, it's not. It's not. It's just a taste of a different timeline that I, that I didn't quite get. Yeah. Um, I'll pick one or two more and then we'll, yeah. we'll we'll wind this down. Uh someone wrote I grew up outside New York City in a family of diehard Yankees fans, myself included. This was peak nineties dynasty times were good. <laughs> insert insert bulls. <laughs> Even after moving to Boston and living there for ten years, I stayed a Yankees fan. Becoming a Red Sox fan never once crossed my mind. Granted, being a Yankees fan is just as much about hating the Red Sox with every fiber of your being. But now, having just moved to another part of the country where the local team isn't as directly in the Yankees' orbit, I'm considering widening my baseball allegiances. My question to you two, are you still fans of the sports teams you grew up following? Did you ever think about switching teams, especially after moving out of your hometown and living somewhere else? What, if anything, would cause you to change teams? Uh, Thanks, as always, for the great pods and streams. And I can't wait to see where this new sports pod goes, Ben. Uh, So one thing I, I think for me, I just... 
I used to just like my my way into sports was like I root for Chicago teams. I care about Chicago teams. Mm-hmm. As you like a sport more, you just want to see more good games. Yeah. And you Especially get when way, your team is bad. <clears throat> yeah. So and inevitably you end up like coming to really like some team. Like my favorite football matchup for me, this is the, the just the most reliable generator of great games in my lifetime. Uh it's probably been the Steelers Ravens. Mm-hmm. Like if, you, if I think about like a great game of football that is up till midnight watching on a Sunday night, it's frequently those two teams just like duking it out, uh, you know, on, you know, on national TV. It's nice night. to watch a rivalry that's still a rivalry. And if anything, yeah. Rob, in some ways you can explain your affinity for that is that I can't get this out of the pairs of Packers, so I'm going to go find a this rivalry that's worth the shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to, yeah, as opposed to you have to look at, like, and here's some here's some old grainy black and white photos with Zeppelins in the background flying <laughs> oh, overhead. Oh, did we break the, the leg of a player were... on the other team? I'm not rooting for injuries, but if they happen and the team sucks, whoops, I guess that's just football. Oh, it was funny watching Rodgers get bounced off the cold turf zone. Just like, ow, my collarbone. Anyway. I've, I've, um, I had a friend years ago, this came up, where the Bears were, uh, you know, in, in the midst of uh, Cutler's real, I, th- I think this was during the Tressman era. Um, a That's real- where I checked, like, I basically broke up with the Bears uh, for late Tressman. Like, every time uh, Hogan Johns on their Bears podcast for The Athletic talk mm-hmm. about, like, the John Fox years, I'm always like, what? Oh yeah, that happened. There, those yeah. were years that happened. It's, it's like the the Trustman, uh, John Fox years, or like a you know four to five year stretch where it's it's real foggy, and uh, you know the the, the 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 kind of moments where I would have the game on on a phone instead of watching it. Right, where like I'd set that on a table, look at it, and go, "Yep, they're losing by 15. and then set it back down and go back to doing whatever else I was doing. But I had a friend at the time who was so just bored with watching, like they couldn't, they just couldn't handle, like they're like, I just want something more, I want something to root for, but they still live in Chicago. So they didn't do the sort of thing that like would make it easier. Like this person writes where like you move and then maybe you find a way to adopt. Or I was a Cubs fan, but I'm in San Francisco and I'm going to root for the Giants and be happy for my friends. Cause I lived out there and then moved back during like the height of like the Giants, not quite dynasty, but like they were, exceptional for like three or four years in a, in a row there. Um, but this person was like, well, how do I determine? And this is a quite like, how do you determine who to become a fan of then? If you're sort of agnostic, right? Like yeah. maybe it's a city, but maybe you're just like want to adopt somebody else and you can't pick the Patriots, right? No. Like you can't pick the team. You can't pick the Packers. You have to pick somebody that was sort of in the middle. And I, I didn't disagree with where my friends ended up on this. They, so if you're thinking back, you know, seven, eight years, they picked the Panthers at like the height of Cam Newton. Oh, yeah. Like, this just seems like a team that's not going to be a superpower, but boy, they seem like they'd be fun to root for. And as like um, as much of an oddity as Cam Newton is, he is a fun character at his height. It's, it's been tragic to watch like, like the the decline of his athleticism and the the swiftness at which it occurred but yep. when he was good not only was he a, a fun quarterback to like you watch, he was a runner like a Lamar Jackson but he loved to get hit he loved to hit like a linebacker like Cam Newton would just like 
go up against a running back and be like, fuck you, and just plow them over. Like, And so they picked the Panthers because they just seemed like a fun team to root for. I don't think they do that anymore. The Panthers are no longer fun <laughs> to, to, no. to root for. But I thought that was an interesting <clears throat> approach that they took. And I, uh, even though I couldn't walk that path with them, I was just committed to being miserable at the Bears. I thought, I was like, I couldn't disagree with the choice. I was like, I think the Panthers, Cam Newton, I can accept that as a secondary team to root for that, like, has a fighting chance, but isn't necessarily like you're picking the ace card off the deck. Well, I just, I, I just usually admire, like, probably my, if I, I was discussing this, I think, last year, I was like, I, I sometimes think about, I like the team this much as is. Maybe I should sort of accept that, like, I kind of am a Ravens fan. And part of it is just, I cannot remember a time when that team has been truly bad. No. Like, they've had leaner years, but, like, compared to the unwatchability that attends, like, a team truly bottoming out. Like, yeah. the reason I didn't watch those John Fox years, Tressman's, year, like, second year onwards, the reason I didn't watch it is the Bears were unwatchably bad. Um, they're boring games. Uh, they were annoying games. Um, and they were just like, you put anything else on and, and have a better time. <laughs> uh, and you know, even when the, the Ravens have, uh, you know, had major issues, they're still a, a pretty engaging team to check out. Even I, last I, year where they, they, uh, yeah. I believe had the most injuries. I don't know what the advanced stats were, but like the, the, the general takeaway is like the stats showed they had, they were the most injured team if not in NFL history, like historically bad. Um, and yet they came like one game away from making it into the playoffs because yeah. like they lost all their running backs, lost all their cornerbacks. They beat the bears with that, like surprisingly decent backup uh, quarterback. Um, and like, that's fun. Like I, this is a question that wasn't asked here or like was later in the bucket. Um, but this is one that I hear a lot brought up among like sports people. I'm curious what, what you make of it is uh would you rather would you have a would you rather have a team that won the Super Bowl once and then was pretty cumber for five years, or would you rather root for a team that was in it and fun and competitive for five years? Second and I would oh every time. exactly I am I'm one hundred percent with you. I would rather like I this was drives me nuts about Packers fans um, who now granted it's impossible to appreciate what you have in the moment. Right. Cause it's just what you, it's what you get used to, but they're like, Oh, you, you, ba- you bears fans, you know, like, Oh, I know like the team's bad, but do you know what it's like to make it to the NFC championship game over and over and not go to the super bowl? I'm like, no, I don't. That sounds fucking awesome. And you know, but dude, I think about, I used to judge them really harshly for like how quickly they turn on a, on the team, on a quarterback, uh, you know, when Favre was starting to show some declines, yeah. uh, they were real quick to be like, just you like you suck. Get out, get out of here. <laughs> we're done with you. I remember uh, listening to well, they were uh, right. Andrew did, Fister. Did, didn't he steal a bunch of money? Like, oh, dude, this, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, just real quick thing. Yeah, we can't even get into this. We but can't. like Brett Favre, whose post NFL career has just been like. Uh, one first it was jeans. First, it was jean commercials. But now and, and then it was also stealing money from Katrina. Like no, 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 this was this was the uh, 
he was stealing money from Mississippi from the Mississippi, welfare fund. Mississippi, okay, and All right. yeah, and like today the text just came out because he's been like, I had no idea. Like people like <laughs> were handling my business. I I had like if I was given money, I shouldn't have been. I'll give it back. But like I, I have no idea what people are talking about. Like misappropriated funds, and like text texts came out today with him where he's like, so I don't know if this is legal. Uh, I need to make sure that like nobody will ever be able to check where this money came from right because then i'm super in but i gotta make sure like the media can never know like that i took this money um again not sure if legal i am not a lawyer uh so you know feel free to correct me but i would sure love this money and so yeah it's a huge it's a huge scandal um with like mississippi politicians diverting uh, the state's welfare program money to a variety of like athletes uh, and celebrities from the from the area. Um, but yeah, like I was judged them super harshly for being quick to like sort of spit on the team. But I've kind of mellowed on that in terms of. Man. You know what? You shouldn't accept mediocrity. Nobody should expect should accept mediocrity. Like if if something is clearly sort of half assed and like not working, and it's just, you know, being put out there for the world to see, especially you, the paying customers. And it's like, yeah, this is this is probably fine. Fuck no, there's no value in being like, yes, you're right. I deserve this. I'm a little well, picky. I, okay, I, 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 I understand what you're saying, way. but I guess my my distinction there is what hurts more of being a consistent loser or the heartbreak of losing the big one. Well, and so I think okay, no. I think but I think <laughs> I do think in the in the Rogers era in particular, I think the Packers suffer from being a little too good to quite qualify for that. Like good every week, entertaining every week, like the Packers go on runs late in the season where it is just like a series of public executions of other NFL teams. Yes. And you unfortunately, our heads have been on the chopping block (laughs) and every year. If you're a Packers fan, you're like, this team is unstoppable. If they play like this in January, it's a wrap. Nobody can touch them. And then January comes along. (laughs) It's like, ooh, I'm cold. Ooh, I don't like this. Oh, this game plan. I don't like this game plan is running the problems because I'm up against a playoff defense for the first time in weeks. Time to stop trusting my offensive coordinator and coach and just do hero (laughs) ball, uh, even though I am rapidly aging. God damn. Uh but yeah, no, I think it's it so much more fun to have a team that is like in with a chance every week. And more importantly, um I you know, here's the thing I will say being adjacent to the uh Patriots for ages. A lot of their wins in this dynasty have not been fun. Now, some of that just comes from you know, you're playing against uh, you know, in their division, you got what the Dolphins uh for years, the the Bills were were trash, the Jets. Jets. Yeah. Yeah, just like you're playing utter crap uh, out there. And so like it you, was kind you, of you have a foundation of like four to six wins every season. Yeah. And the Patriots would go out there and it's like, yep, we're going to go out here and we're going to put these guys, guys in a submission hold. And that's going to be it. That's going to be the game. And it wasn't like inspiring stuff. It was just like, yep, they schemed that up real well. They're going to they got a small lead and they're just going to nurse it till the end. All right. Well, on to the next one. Um not not fun games. Nothing like, you know, what Chiefs fans or Bills fans are enjoying right now, which is like, hey, you want to see an incredible athlete at the top of their game just shred somebody? Uh, you can see that every week with these guys. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, as we close out, um, yeah. we're going to do, I, I just want to do, we're going to pick the NFL schedule. So this is the oh upcoming. Boy. This is okay. oh boy. This is the we're up- going on record already. Yeah, we're going on the record because uh, we're not going to do this every week. So it's not like this is some sort of like ongoing, uh, you know, w- win or loss. But here, here is the upcoming schedule for uh, uh, week two of the NFL. So uh, Chargers at Chiefs Thursday, very exciting game. Very excited to see this. But I uh, uh, Mahomes was un. They got rid of Tyreek Hill and were like, "Hey, I'm going to score five touchdowns at will." Uh, as much as I like, oh fuck, what's his face? Uh, the Chargers, uh, uh quarterback. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, the end of a two-hour podcast, 11 p.m. But I'm going, I'm going to the Chiefs. I, I can't. I will not bet against Mahomes. That's he came in a soldier. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. I want to say Johnny Herbert is an F F one driver from like forty <laughs> years ago. So, but Rob, uh, Patrick Mahomes came into uh, Soldier Field and scored multiple touchdowns. And then, uh, do you remember him putting up his fingers on how many uh, spots they passed over him? Do you know? I did not. Have you black? Have you blacked out that game? Have you just forgotten don't that occurred? Remember this? No, I don't remember. You this. don't remember? Like, you genuinely don't remember? I genuinely don't remember this. Oh my god, my. Holmes, when did this field fingers draft pick? Uh, I might have checked out for the from the Bears for this game, knowing what was about to happen. Oh my god! It's a if he put up actual fingers. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Here it is, Rob. You're just gonna just really. Uh, this is him after a touchdown, putting up the uh, fingers, counting how many picks below. Uh, he was taken by the Chiefs relative to the Bears when they could have taken Patrick Mahomes in the in the same draft. Well, okay, um, one Patrick, nobody believed in you to that degree. Like <laughs> Mahomes, like nobody, like I agree. You, it you doesn't Andy, feel you were does- Andy Reid's found money. Well, you and then also not- uh, the the thing about that draft is that the 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 quarterback they should have taken bullet dodged. Yeah, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> yep. Yep. And there are people asking, I think we'll, we'll talk about that situation, I think, when we talk about like the contradictions of the NFL. Because, yes. yeah, yes. I mean, there's an alternate history where uh, you'd be in a real weird place. I think um, I, th- I would. I think I, I think that would be a, a great second episode of this is like, yeah, if you are a Browns, I have tons of Browns fans in my life. And like watching them go through the last six, month, six months has been interesting. And so whether you are a Browns fan or just a fan that is like had like to stare into the. There have been times where the Bears uh, have had problematic players, uh, players that you do not want to associate with the team. But like we've never had to, in in my time, stare into the abyss and like have it stare back. And so I'm well. This is, and this is and and stare into the abyss. Cut the abyss a huge check. <laughs> yes, an unprecedented. I'm going to give the abyss an unprecedented contract. Uh, and knowing that it's the abyss, but yeah, that's neither here there. Um, okay, so I'm okay. We have to go. We have to go faster on this. So, are yeah. you uh, Chargers at Chiefs? Uh, yeah, I'm Chiefs. Okay, uh, Dolphins at Ravens. Hmm. I feel like the Patriots were not good. Is the thing? No, they were not. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Ravens. I'm with you. I'm going through it. I, I, I would bet on Lamar Jackson before I would bet on the Dolphins doing a repeat performance. Uh, Jets at Browns. 
Oh, that's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Well, is it interesting um, given that Joe Flacco is probably also the quarterback for the Jets for a second week in a row? Zach Wilson is still injured. But the Browns uh, were also pretty bad. Um, they don't have Deshaun yeah. Watson playing, even putting aside uh, right. everything that's <clears throat> going on. Like uh, uh, Jacoby Brissett is their quarterback. He sucked too. So. <laughs> What, yeah. if, what if we don't pick a side? <laughs> like, what if, what if, how about neither? <laughs> no, you know what? Honestly, here's the thing. The reason that the Browns are willing to do this is because the Browns have a good team outside of yeah, Miles like, Garrett. My, Miles yeah. Garrett, like, so I'm gonna uh, go. I'm gonna go Browns. Yeah, the Miles Garrett and uh, who uh, was it? Uh, not Bradley Chubb. Uh, Nick Chubb. Uh, their running yeah. back is incredible. Um, all right, Commanders at Lions. Oh, I'm choosing the Lions. I just, I Lions. just, choose, I, I choose. I, Hard knocks, baby. I believe in Dan Campbell. Yeah, and look, they may be in the division, but they're not an actual threat. I feel like Lions. There's, it's uh, the, the Predator meme. Lions, Bears fans, hands clasped, yeah. like, 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 we fuck gonna... Kirk Cousins and fuck Aaron Rodgers. Uh, let's take down those uh, <laughs> Ivermycin uh, anti-COVID uh, <laughs> quarterbacks. Let's go. Uh, yeah. Colts and Jaguars. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. Nothing but Colts fills me fills me with confidence. I don't. I don't. I. I. I, I guess I'll go with the Colts. I believe in Trevor Lawrence. I don't. I don't really like their. I don't really like their. Uh, their coach. Um, I. I'm not like he got kicked off the Eagles, but like I just. The Colts are a team that constantly gets praised for putting together really good. Uh, like this is a great team building team, and then they just fall. Oh yeah, flat. they're a model franchise. And then this is how. It and then they be. just fall flat on their fucking face at the end of the season. So yeah. I'm I'm all in on the on the Jaguars. All right, Buccaneers at Saints. Uh, Buccaneers. Yeah, I I I don't I I'm not out here to root for Tom Brady, but I don't I don't believe in what the Saints. The Saints came back in the fourth quarter. I don't know where if that shouldn't have happened, and so I'm I'm with you. I'm with Bucks. All right, Panthers at the Giants. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I like, I don't know that I like Baker, but I'm rooting for Baker. Yeah. I don't like Giants. the Panthers, but I'm like, that's the problem. I'm, I'm in, I'm in the I'm Giants revenge game for the heartbreaker of mm, uh, mm, last mm, week. Mm, I'm, mm. I'm saying Giants. Okay. Uh, Patriots at Steelers. Oh, boy. Ah, uh, who? Oh, I'm rooting for Steelers. the Steelers because all I want is. The Panthers to just get smothered this year. I feel like it was. You mean the Pats? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I want, I want yeah. the Patriots to have an all-time embarrassing year. That is satisfying to me. That little, that little, that little spark with Mac Jones just crushing. Oh it out. yeah, no, just it's gone. It it's gone. It's gone. Like yeah. And, and also, oh, and Matt Patricia calling plays for him. Have and, and, and oh, and like Bill Belichick. Have you seen his like caveman of a son on? Have you seen his son? No, oh, oh my God! This. How have you not? Hold on, Bill. Oh God, his son is unbelievable. Uh, God, this is the thing. Jesus Christ, Rob. Rob, when I paste this, are you ready for this photo? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, he's got his own Chet Hanks. I'm just gonna paste you a series. Of photos of Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick's son Steve, just look, just look oh, at these two man. bros. These expressions, these expressions. 
are not good. No. Yeah. yeah, they're gonna lose. No. Get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. All right, uh, Falcons at Rams. Uh, Rams. Yeah, the Rams. I agree. I agree. Falcons pulled off. Uh, did you see the way? Yeah. The Falcons? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, buried uh, us. At least. At, at least the Bears are who we thought they were. <laughs> You know, though, at least I will say this for the Falcons. Uh, they were backed into kicking a 64 yard field goal. They were they were left with no choice <laughs> but to try and salvage their game with a long field goal. They did not run toward that as the best option on the table. Uh, Seahawks at 49ers. Uh, who? 49ers. I think they're going to bounce back from the Bears. And I, don't, I think the Seahawks did not look. The Seahawks inherited a game that Denver yes. went out of their way to not win, and there was and there was so much there was so much emotion in that yeah. game. Uh, and um, the 49ers, like it, probably not going to be monsoon conditions at no, this one. So no. uh, Trey Lance will be able to run and throw. Uh, Bengals at Cowboys. We're just going to skip because uh, Dak Prescott is not playing, um, and I need the Bengals to perform for my fantasy team to not completely have died in the first week. So. Uh, Bengals it will be. Yeah. Texans and Broncos. That's interesting. Um, I feel like uh, Russell Russell Wilson had uh, a tough game. He is not responsible for two different running backs having the ball punched out at the goal line. Had they made any of those, that game is not only over, but is out of hand. No, but I, okay. Here's what here's what I will say. Uh, Russell Wilson does not look like he has any velocity on his pass anymore. He oh, and, well, he also can't run. He is yeah. scared shitless. It, it's it's bad. Like, yeah, that's the thing. He does not look like a good quarterback by any stretch. I agree. I think I think Denver wins that game. Uh, but I do not think like it might Russ be close. It might be close enough that people are going. Uh, the the Broncos are not going to go very far in a division that is full of yeah incredible uh teams uh cardinals at raiders boy uh i believe in do, kyler do murray you hold the cardinals against do you hold last week against the cardinals uh no no i think losing to patrick mahomes is not something you can hold against yeah did, did on the rims they get hit by a truck basically yes. like they got hit by a truck but that's yeah i i i agree i think uh you're right the the Cardinals, I I believe more in that program right now than I do in the Raiders. Uh, Bears at Packers. Packers. Yeah, unfortunately. Do you think it's competitive? No, but I'll tell you th- this. I think if it is competitive, I think the Bears might win that game. I agree. I think if it's competitive, I think the the Packers have a good chance of tilting. And that, like, if it goes that way... I no longer have appropriately calibrated expectations for how the season's going to go. Like if when if I said, Bears... when I said, I don't know when there'll be a second episode. If the bears <laughs> win on Sunday night, <laughs> they'll be a drop. I don't know if you're ever going to hear that alien episode of my turn because they'll keep delaying it to keep, to keep, to keep doing this. Uh, Titans at bills Monday night. There's two games on Monday night. Titans at bills. Uh, I that's easy. I think the Titans suck this year. I think the Bills are gonna. Pull, yeah, the Bills. Gonna the Bills like the Bills are a great example of like I think one of the frustrating things about uh, the NFL. Bills were the best team in the football at the end of last year. Didn't yep. matter. They just yep. weren't able to get in the Super Bowl that they, where they would have just fucking dominated. Couldn't couldn't get there. No. Um, 
and I think they are easily the best team in the NFL right now. That gives them a decent like 15 to 20 percent chance of winning the whole thing uh, at the end of this. But like, yeah, uh, who knows? Uh, last game, uh, the other Monday night game, uh, Vikings at Eagles, which I'm actually very excited. A lot, for a lot of our friends are going to be interested in how this one goes. Yeah. So like the, the Vikings were surprisingly good. I don't know if that means their coach is good or the Packers just underperformed as they did a year prior. But uh, I want Austin wants us to be happy. I want Austin to be happy <clears> that. I didn't actively watch that Eagles Lions game, but for a while the Eagles were running away with it. AJ Brown trade Jalen Hurts can actually throw a pass instead of running. It seemed like, damn, the Eagles might be onto something. And then they barely won that game against the Lions, and you start going, I don't know who that. I don't know what that means for anybody. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah, and the Lions. Like, I'm a. I'm a convert after hard knocks. Uh, like maybe they got more heart and guts. I have than no thought, idea. I think I think Jared Goff is a mediocre quarterback at best, and yeah. so the way to look at that team is: Are they a different version of the Broncos, in which they're building a quality team that they can hopefully drop a disgruntled quarterback into uh, next season? But for the sake of Austin, I will pick the Eagles, and also that means the Vikings lose. And so, as much as I rooted for them to beat the Packers, yeah, it doesn't help me for the Vikings. To beat so, the Eagles. Uh, I'm going to shift my allegiance here to Cap Bailey. Uh, I'm going to say uh, <laughs> all right. it's Vikings all the way. It's Cole. Uh, but, but also, I think for me, the, here's, the, here's the thing that was fucking me up watching that game. Uh-huh. Kirk Cousins looked amazing. I know. But he, do, he does this because to you. He's he got does this to everybody. Yes. He's got a receiving core. The team looks good. Uh, but at the same time, like I, I think based on like, yeah, with the, the vulnerabilities the Eagles showed and the strengths the Vikings had, I think the Vikings look like a better team. Uh, should we do the thing before we completely wrap this up? Mm-hmm. Should we just go through the Bears schedule and just just make a little guess? About yeah, how we okay. Think this all yeah. Goes? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fine. We'll repeat yeah. this exercise as expectations are calibrated. <laughs> but for re- now, let's put, let's put okay, hold on. Rob, that is an incredible bit. I just want to say that you just stumbled onto a really good bit, which is that most people, when you listen to Bears podcasts or analysts, are like, yeah, let's analyze the wins losses at the start of the season based on what we think the team might be. What if we analyze it based on just every time vibe. we check in and then just we just vibe. vibe check? What do we think about this? Like, Because, Rob, if they beat the Packers, we might be like, you know what? You know, eleven, eleven, and you know, eleven and six. We're going, like, we're we're going for that number one spot in the NFC. All right, so they're one and zero right now. Next week, uh, Packers. Yeah, uh, that's a th- loss. Yes. Okay. Week after. Yep. Uh, it's Texans. I think that's a win. That's a win. Yeah. Oh, but Lovey Smith. You know, I know. A little, little bit wild card, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. That's that that's that's a win. Then they got the Giants, and I think the Giants are a win for the Bears. Yeah. Three and one. Yep, yep, yep. Playing the Vikings. The Vikings are who who I think they are. We're going to lose. I think so, too. I think, yeah. So we're three and two. Three and two. Okay. Commanders. Fuck Carson Wentz. I think we beat the Commanders. Yeah. Yeah. Four Four and two. two. Oh, Patriots. Patriots? That's a W. <laughs> you see that little caveman bitch? <laughs> His son is going to be coaching going, five and two. Five and two. Oh, the Cowboys. The Cowboys. Six and two. Six and 
His, oh, his poor little thumb is not even going to operate. He's going to be able to roll the ball on the ground like a bowling ball. Six and two. Here we go. The Dolphins. Shit happens. Bears lose. Ah, damn. We missed it on a field goal. All right. Six yep. and three. <clears throat> six and three. The Lions. <sighs> Let's say we lose. Six and four. <laughs> All right. Six and four. Six and four. Six and four. Six and four. All Falcons right. against Falcons. Ryan Pace. Seven and four. Seven, Seven and four. Yeah. W. W. The Jets? Jets? The Jets? That's an L for the Jets. Eight and four. <laughs> Eight and four. Packers. Packers volume two. So it's December 4th. It's not early enough that they aren't going to care anymore. It's the Roger surge. Yes. It's gonna so be I think on. it's an L. I think it's an L. So that's yeah. eight and five. Eagles. Yep. Ooh. My heart. I Ooh. don't know. I think the Eagles might be better than us. Yeah, I think so too. All right, eight and six. Eight and six. And the okay, shit. Well, December twenty fourth, the Bills might have this shit wrapped up. Are they? But three games out, are they playing backups at that point? They're probably still. No. Com- they're probably still trying to get the the in the AFC. The AFC is so competitive. Yeah. They're going to be wanting to get that number one seed. So that's an L. Yeah, I think so. So we're uh, eight and seven. Was that <laughs> we're doing math? Here. No, that, that has to be eight and seven because we can't because yeah, we yeah. can't go eight and eight. Yeah. That's the whole point right, of right, the right. extra game of the season. Bears line, so we gave them the L before. Bears. The Bears are going to get that. Uh, Nine and seven, the classic Bears yep. uh, number. And then uh, Vikings and Bears. I think the Vikings are still going to be better. Yeah, but we, we we are we saying they're going to beat us uh, both yeah. games? Or are we splitting? So you're saying the Vikings I, are going to beat us both games? Because I think this time they're be playing to get something good for the playoffs. I mean, right? Because they're, they're probably not going to win the division, but they are right. playing for a wild card spot. So, so we go nine and eight. Nine and eight. Nine and eight. Dude, if we go nine and eight, I will be fucking ecstatic. Yeah. This is a team it's, that that many people were predicted were going to win two or three games. That's obviously not going to happen at the bare minimum, having won the first game. They're probably going to win yeah. the worst case scenario, four or five, nine games. Oh, my God. that The NFC yeah. sucks. That's a wild card spot, baby. Now, what's going to be weird is if, say, we picked the first few games perfectly. <laughs> we picked a lot of wins for those opening we weeks. We so what if we like things unfold exactly according to plan, but we check in after the Bears have just like smoked the Giants? <laughs> And we're like, oh, we'll beat the Vikings. We'll beat the Vikings for sure. God, this is really good. I, I, I'm enjoying this where it's just L, 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 L. Uh, but that's going to do it. That's going to do it for our inaugural episode of Sports Point, whatever this ends up being called. Uh, I, I, you know, I wrote in my script, I don't know what a second one of these looks like, but I, I think I do wouldn't know what a second one of these looks like. Uh, and I also wrote, I don't know if we'll do another one. We're definitely going to do another one. Um, I feel like maybe the podcast real name is bear with us. Yeah. Bear with us. That's for that. That's damn. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Write in with more names. We'll, we'll, we'll settle on a name by the second one. Um, but, uh, I had a lot of fun recording this. I think Rob, I think you did too. Uh, oh, yeah. I think the sports bros are going to come back. Um, in the meantime, you can follow Waypoint uh, on Twitter at Waypoint, on Twitch at TV, twitch.tv slash Waypoint, on YouTube at youtube.com slash Waypoint Vice, uh, and our writing at waypoint.vice.com. Uh, this episode is premiering ad-free early on Waypoint Plus, which you can subscribe to and gain access to 
early episodes, exclusive episodes, ad-free episodes, and more at waypointplus.com. You can follow me at Patrick Klopik. Rob, where can people follow you? Uh, at Rob Zachney. You know, we should probably have uh, Kado put this on the public feed at least by like Sunday. That's a good idea. That's like Saturday or Sunday. Saturday. I probably think. Saturday. Yeah. So people can so get... you'll have a chance to listen to it. But yeah, like, yeah. So you still get it early with Plus, but like. Maybe it goes a little earlier than yeah. the. Yeah. Because we eat shit. I think everyone needs to get to have the experience <laughs> of like. Yes. Imagine listening to us on Sunday morning. Like, here we fucking go. Getting ready for Sunday night football. Somebody's listening to us on their fancy Sonos setup. Like, listen to Robin Patrick getting ready for the Packers game. Uh, it's good. It's good. That person right. also has a dual Sonos set up uh, because of Sonos Christmas. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, until next time, bear down, bear with us, but either way, we'll be back. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.